It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. I think since Friday, uh, I made it clear that my intention was to play, and my intention was to play for the New York Jets. What are you talking about? No, it's not him. There is only one more. There is only one more. There is, that's it. One more. Get it right. No. They saw your team. Put up zero effort. Wake up. Remember in the old days, they used to have oxygen for them. Where's the oxygen? Play like absolute just garbage. <laughs> this is the Sports Loud Mouse. Yay! Man, can you keep it down? I'm trying to introduce here. With Errol Marks and Speedy Beanie. You're not even a has-been. You're a never was. You're a never was. March. 15th, ladies and gentlemen. The year is just blowing by, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, you're listening to the sports loudmouth 631 672 is the number to call. As you know, I am Errol Marks, my co host, Speeder, Mr. Speedy Petey. Remember, you can download our show or Go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows throughout the week. All our talent, ladies and gentlemen. All the different personalities. You can stay tuned and listen to all the shows live. You can interact with all our talent. And you can listen to our show, The Sports Loudmouths, which airs every single Wednesdays at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Game On, which airs every single Friday at 6 p.m. with Joshua Silverberg. So check out all our shows throughout the week. They're great shows, great talent, and by the way, great stories as our articles are put up every single week as well. Speeder, what's up, man? I am glad that I will not have to have dog crap in my mouth like somebody else is going to have to now that Aaron Rodgers has made this announcement. And that somebody lives in uh, southern or western Florida, and he's going to be enduring that one for now. Tampa, Florida, and we all know him as Big Jeff, a.k.a. Jeff from Tampa, as uh, he has to live up to his bets. He said he would. And it looks like Aaron Rodgers, as you heard the clip on the Pat McAfee show, show, is heading, I said shoe, but show, is heading to the New York Jets. Right now they're trying to figure out the uh, negotiations of the uh, the deal. Um, as, as you know, the Jets are trying not to give up first-round draft picks as they want to match Matthew Stafford's trade from the from the the Lions to the Rams. So I don't know that how that's going to happen because to me there is no leverage for the Green Bay Packers. Now that owner the owner came out and the GM came out, well the ownership because it's owned by the team, it's owned by all the fans, but the GM and some of the coaches came out and and thanked Aaron Rodgers and practically said that uh they're moving on from him. So now you expect him to be either traded or he's going to retire. And he spoke on the Pat McAfee show today and, and, and expressed his feelings towards the Green Bay Packers and all the fans out there. He loves the fans, not too fond of the GM out there and the president. So we will get into that in just a few moments. But, uh, yeah, we have a great show lined up for you. At 7.30, we'll be talking to former Patriots defensive end Jarvis Green. We'll talk about free agency, his thoughts to the New England Patriots in the new AFC East, as it's going to be very challenging for the New England Patriots. They could be the worst team in the AFC East for the first time in, like, 25 years. I mean, with the talent that is... 
being built from the Miami Dolphins to the New York Jets to even the Buffalo Bills, who have lost some pieces but are still going to be pretty good because they have Josh Allen as their quarterback. Uh, it's going to be very interesting to hear what defensive end ex-New England Patriot Jarvis Green has to say about that. And at 8.30, yes, 8.30, uh, we will be talking to 33-year-old, uh, well, I'm sorry, it's 33-year-old, 33-year MLB umpire vet Dale Scott. He's retired. I don't know why Speedy put 33-year vet. He's a retired Umpire, we had him on a show about a year ago. Uh, he was fantastic. So we'll have Dale Scott on. We'll talk about the World Baseball Classic. We'll talk about the new MLB rules and his thoughts as an umpire or as an ex-umpire on his thoughts on how the MLB will move forward with these new rules and how much it could affect the game. We are going to get into Aaron Rodgers announcing on the Pat McAfee show that he will be playing for the Jets this year as long as they negotiate the deal with the Green Bay Packers. He's still a Packer as we speak, but I believe in the next couple of days there will be some kind of negotiation and Aaron Rodgers will be heading to New York uh, as I believed that was going to happen three or four weeks ago. So uh, as our, our friend Jeff from Tampa will be eating a lot of dog poop. Um, Jets restructure multiple contracts to bring Rodgers in, or going to bring Rodgers in, including DJ Reed and Lincoln Tomlinson. Uh, the Giants trade third-round pick to the Raiders for Darren Waller. Uh, very interesting move for the New York Giants as they're looking for some offensive capabilities uh, as they need a number one, number one wide receiver, uh, but they add one of the better tight ends in the league if he could stay healthy. Uh, Panthers trade DJ Moore and two first-round draft picks and two second-round picks to the Bears for the number one overall pick. We'll argue why uh, it could be back and forth who could be the number one overall pick. Um, the Dolphins trade a third-round pick for Jalen Ramsey as the Dolphins get richer at the corner position. Uh, the Cowboys trade a fifth-round pick for Stephon Gilmore. So uh, Stephon Gilmore will be heading uh, to the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowgirls, or whatever you want to call them. Uh, the NBA suspends John Morant for eight games, but no clear evidence that the gun found in the nightclub belonged to Morant, an NFL free agency recap so far. So we'll get into that, and we'll get into as much as we possibly can in the NFL free agency as we move longer into the show. So, as you heard the first clip, uh, Aaron Rodgers spoke on the Pat McAfee show. A lot of people were questioning and, and really blaming for blaming Aaron Rodgers for uh, the the length of time on why we haven't heard on the reasoning on why he hasn't been traded to the New York Jets. It has not been Aaron Rodgers. It's been all along the Green Bay Packers that still th seem to think that they're going to get a Matthew Stafford Hall from the New York Jets to land Aaron Rodgers. Now, before we get into what Aaron Rodgers said, I'm going to tell you why there is no way no way the Green Bay Packers are going to get what the Rams sent to the Lions for Matthew Stafford. And there's many reasons why it's not going to happen. But the main reason why is Aaron Rodgers is 39 years old. 
When Matthew Stafford was traded from the Lions to the Rams, he was 33. That's a six-year difference. The longevity of the contract as well. Didn't make any sense why you heard from numerous, numerous people over the last couple of days saying that the the Green Bay Packers are expecting at least two first-round draft picks for Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is a guy that is unsure if he's going to play two years. Now, he said uh, with Brandon, on Brandon Marshall's uh, podcast or his interview over the weekend that he wants to play multiple years for wherever he decides to go. So his plan is to play multiple years with the New York Jets if he gets traded there. But then you heard on the Pat McAfee show today that Rodgers said he went into the darkness 90% sure he was going to retire and 10% sure that he was going to play. But when he came out, he wanted to he wanted to play. His thoughts of getting back on the field and 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 building a challenge to winning another Super Bowl, that is his goal. But he was 90% sure that he wasn't going to play again. As he said when he was walking off Green Bay Packers or Lambeau Field in his final game against the Lions with his arm around Randall Cobb, he came out and said he believed it was over. He was done. Not just with the Green Bay Packers, but practically his career. He was going to walk off the field with his head held up high, just like Peyton Manning did, just like Drew Brees did. And I'm not going to mention Tom Brady because he didn't walk off the field with his head held up high. He should have because he should have retired a year ago. But he decided to play, and now he's divorced, and all the problems that he had during the year just hit him right right straight in his forehead. But the truth is, Rogers said since Friday, I made it clear that my intentions was to play, and it was my intentions to play for the New York Jets. Now, you heard what he said about Adam Scheffner. <laughs> Adam Scheffner reached out to him, and he told him, some interesting things I cannot mention on air. Practically told, telling him to take a hike. For all the people that were writing, saying it wasn't done yet, it's done, it's this, it's that, nobody knew except maybe two people. Wingo from ESPN had the biggest inside thoughts of what was going on with this move for the Jets to get Aaron Rodgers. He was the one, and he didn't mention any names, but he pretty much told you that there were maybe two or three people that had most of it correct. But the guys like Adam Scheffner and Albert Breer, they had no idea what Aaron Rodgers was thinking at any time over the last couple of weeks. You sit here 
And you heard what Aaron Rodgers said. He, he obviously had Woody Johnson and Joe Douglas and Robert Sala and Nathaniel Hackett come to see him in L.A., in Malibu, wherever he lives, to sit down with him for not a whole 16 hours or two days, well, as everybody was saying that they were hanging out at his house for 24 hours. That's not true. Aaron came out on the Pat McAfee show and said it was at best four hours that he sat with the Jets brass, owner Woody Johnson, and spoke about him joining the New York Jets. And there was no short thing at that meeting that he was going to the New York Jets. Rodgers said there were other teams interested in him, not just the Jets. But he didn't reveal specifically who they were. He did mention one team and one player, which he didn't specifically say, which we all know was Adams, was a player that he wanted to play with again. But the Raiders were out. And then you heard over the last two days that Jimmy Garoppolo is heading over there and Adams doesn't want to play there anymore. He doesn't want to play in Las Vegas. He's not going to the Jets, ladies and gentlemen. And either is Odell Beckham. Rodgers mentioned on the Pat McAfee show that Nathaniel Hackett being hired as the offensive coordinator was an attraction for him. But it wasn't the main attraction on why he decided to go or he's deciding to go and play for the New York Jets. And he didn't like how Pat McAfee was playing and making fun of Nathaniel Hackett, saying that was practically the only reason why, and that was a good move for Woody Johnson and Joe Douglas bringing in Nathaniel Hackett to draw Aaron Rodgers to come and play in New York, because that was not true. In Aaron Rodgers' words, he had no interest, even when they brought Nathaniel Hackett, that he was heading to New York. As a matter of fact, he believed he was going to retire. And he hated the fact that Pat McAfee and everybody out there thinks that Nathaniel Hackett, because he had one bad year as a head coach, he can't offensive coordinator. He can't be an offensive coordinator. He can't be a successful head coach in this league. Because as you heard Rodgers say today, that Nathaniel Hackett is one of the nicest, one of the smartest football minds he's ever played with. Now, I don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of days. I don't know what the Jets are going to trade for Aaron Rodgers. What we do know is there's only one team that is going to get him now. And that's the New York Jets. Unless the Green Bay Packers all of a sudden flip flip their thoughts and say, you know what, we're bringing Aaron Rodgers back, which is not going to happen because Jordan Love already came out and said that if Aaron Rodgers is back here, I want to be traded. Aaron Rodgers said in the interview that he knew it was practically over when they drafted Jordan Love a couple of years ago. He wasn't sure when it was going to be over, but he already knew that after they found his replacement, a.k.a. Brett Favre and him, It was only going to be a couple more years where he believed he was going to be a Green Bay Packer. He didn't like how the Green Bay Packers 
and how they treated some of the veteran players that have been there over the years. The Jordy Nelsons, the Randall Cobbs, the Brett Favre's. He, he mentioned a lot of players that were mistreated because they were veteran players and not washed up, but they weren't the same players when they were in the prime of their careers. He never liked the, the Green Bay Packers brass since he was drafted. As he mentioned, Mitchell, one of the guys that drafted him and decided... Obviously, when Mitchell left, and and he mentioned all the coaches, all the people that were involved with the organization when he was drafted, they were all practically gone. They all moved on as GMs, assistant GMs, presidents. He says there are very few still involved with the Green Bay Packers when he was drafted. When they built this team, when he was drafted, by the Packers, I sit here today, and I know a lot of Jet fans all over social media were attacking Rodgers because he had a wish list of players. As Adam Scheffner, in regard in the regards of the reports, it wasn't just Adam Scheffner; it was a bunch of analysts that wrote that he had a wish list of players that he wanted to play with: Randall Cobb, OBJ, Mercedes Lewis. He came out and said on that interview, what a bunch of you-know-what. He did not give a list of players that he definitely wants to play with if he goes to the New York Jets. He mentioned players that he loves to play with and that if they're interested in making a move for him, he wouldn't be attacking them or making different thoughts on why they shouldn't bring him in or who they should bring in. What he does know is that he wants to play still. That he had no thoughts of retiring after he went into the darkness. That he wanted to play football. And he knew it wasn't going to be with the Green Bay Packers. And then he obviously knew on Friday that he was going to be a New York Jet. Rodgers said the only player he would ever claim to demand was Devontae Adams. He didn't mention his name, but everybody knew in that interview who he was talking about. Rodgers did not confirm whether he will wear the number 12. He said pretty much on the Pat McAfee show, we're not even in that place yet. Let's worry about me getting traded to the Jets, and then we can talk about if I'm going to wear the number 12, if it's going to be brought out of retirement. You sit here, and again, if you're a Jet fan, after he said on Friday he wanted to be a Jet, he knew that he was ready to be traded, and you heard him say that, the sigh of relief, and I know... I heard from Eric Martini texting me, um, Joshua Silverberg, a bunch of Jet fans reached out to me and said, we got him. We got him. I knew we had him three weeks ago. It was just a matter of when and how. After Derek Carr, he went to the Saints, I knew that there was only one guy the Jets were gunning for. And that was Aaron Rodgers. Aaron 
Aaron Rodgers last year played with a broken thumb. Everybody's going to say, oh, he's taking two steps back. He threw 3,600 yards when the last three, four years he threw over 4,000. He threw a couple more interceptions than he usually does yearly because he's one of the most accurate quarterbacks the NFL has ever seen. I'm going to tell you why, and I've said this over and over and over again on the show. The lack of talent around him in Green Bay was horrible. Christian Watson finally transformed into the player that everybody thought when he was drafted in the second round by the Green Bay Packers in week 10, week 11. They didn't have top-end players. Their offensive line was beat up. Their defense, which was supposed to be one of the top five, top six defenses in a league, fell apart right in front of our eyes in the beginning of the season. With injuries, obviously. With Alexander getting hurt. With some of the defensive linemen not staying healthy. Losing Smith in free while releasing him and him going to Minnesota. There was a lot of things that happened over the last year and a half that spelt to Aaron Rodgers that it was practically over in Green Bay for him. And I loved Aaron Rodgers, what he said about the fans. How heartbroken he is to leave the Packer fans. Every single week playing in Lambeau Field in front of those great fans. Wearing the number, wearing the letter G on his helmet, on his hat. Just everything about being a Packer and how special it is. And I loved when he said he could be and he believes he's the greatest Packer to ever play the game. He didn't mention Star. He did mention Brett Favre, but he said he bleeds green. He bled green from the beginning, and he'll bleed green at the end. Now that he's a Jet, of course. If you're a Jet hater, and you didn't want to see Aaron Rodgers go to the Jets, well, guess what? You're going to see a lot of them for the next two years. Because the Jets, hopefully landing Aaron Rodgers, puts them... On top of the AFC East. The beast of the East is no longer Buffalo or New England. Or maybe even people thinking adding Jalen Ramsey, Miami. The beast of the East, of the AFC East, will be the New York Jets. If Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, if this defense is as good as they were last year, or even semi as good as they were last year, in the top 10 in almost every defensive statistic, the Jets are going to be hard to beat, Speedy. Yeah, definitely. And you look at the Jets roster, the way they're constructed, they're very well-rounded in key areas. Pass rush is very good. Secondary, best threesome of corners in the league. Safety is a little questionable still, but still very good. They just have to figure out how to guard bigger tight ends. Offensively. They have a ton of young receivers. They just brought in Alan Lazard, too, to help out in the slot. They got capable running backs throughout their depth chart, two good tight ends, and an offensive line that might need a couple more pieces, but is still just as good as some of the worst offensive lines that Aaron Rodgers has played for. So he's used to that kind of thing by now. Now, obviously, he's older, so 
taking those kinds of hits won't be the same at this age, age 39, than it would be in those years with the Packers. But still, they needed to make a big swing for that in a quarterback-heavy AFC that has seven, six, whatever you want to say, elite quarterbacks. They have to try something. They cannot waste this roster talent just trying to hope that Mike White were to spark like he did for three games last year or Zach Wilson were to finally mature. They couldn't bank on that. They can't bank on wasting two rookies of the year on that kind of thing with mediocre quarterback talent or in the Jets case last year, awful quarterback talent. Mm -hmm. So this was the swing they had to make. And inevitably, what I said about the Packers was going to happen. They were going to lose value the more they waited. And they just kept trying to be petty with Aaron Rodgers. They kept trying to say, oh, we're not going to trade you to the AFC. Oh, we're not going to trade you to the Raiders. And now they're probably not even going to get a second-round pick this year for Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, you want a deal like Matthew Stafford? If you wanted a deal like Matthew Stafford, you should have traded him last year. Because he had a back-to-back MVP type year. Devontae Adams was being traded. That was the best time to be able to do it. Just start Jordan Love fresh all at once. And that did not end up being the case. So now, you end up probably going to have to get a three, a two, a three, whatever the compensation may be. Nevertheless, it's not going to be what you want, Brian Gunker. So get that idea of Matthew Stafford out of your head. I, I, I do believe that when you look at what the Green Bay Packers are asking for, and I don't know what they're reaching out to the Jets and Joe Douglas, and we all know Joe Douglas isn't giving multiple first-round draft picks because they weren't going to give first-round draft picks for Tyreek Hill when it was offered to them last offseason. He was offered to the New York Jets last offseason. And what did the Jets say? We'll give you two seconds and a fourth. That's what the Jets offered him. And they didn't want to make the move. Obviously, he didn't want, Tyreek Hill didn't want to come to New York. He wanted to go to Miami. He wanted to play for the Miami Dolphins. And he had a great season last year. He, had, he was the best wide receiver in football last year, no question, with really Tua being out a significant amount of time. So Tyreek Hill had a great season. Maybe if he's with the New York Jets and he has Aaron Rodgers throwing to him this year. How about this? If the Jets made a move for Tyreek Hill, could they have landed Aaron Rodgers in free uh, not free agency, in a trade? Because Tyreek Hill is demanding, or he got $23, $22 million a year. Could the Jets afford giving Quinn Williams the contract that they have to give him and then giving Aaron Rodgers the money that they're going to have to pay him, making that trade to land him? So, if anything, if you're a Jet fan sitting here today, the, the fact that the Jets didn't get Tyreek Hill really saved the opportunity for the Jets to land Aaron Rodgers. And not only Tyree Kill, all the other receivers they were rumored for last year, too. Debo Samuel, A.J. Brown, Terry McLaurin for a little while, D.K. Metcalf. These guys are all in trade talks. A.J. Brown was the only one that ended up being traded. But all of them are linked to the Jets, especially Debo Samuel, because of the scheme fit with Mike LaFleur, who's now fired. But still, they could have done that, gotten the receiver, and then they wouldn't have had Garrett Wilson either. So they would have been in a very tough spot, because obviously we saw what Zach Wilson was this year. Immature and uh, not very accurate or coachable. I, I sit here today, and I know... Everybody's going to make jokes that I said the Jets are the beast of the East. Speedy, am I wrong? If the Jets land Aaron Rodgers, if they get this done, and they land Aaron Rodgers, who's the beast of the East? Talent-wise, the Jets have the most. Now, the question will still be coaching, because Jeff Ulbrich, a lot of people were critical of Bill Belichick is the best coach in that division. No, no, I know that. I'm talking about in terms of an assistant standpoint. I think from head coach collectively with the coaching staff, Robert Sala is good. I'm, I'm not saying he's not, but there's still some question marks there. 
at the end of the season with him. You got Jeff Ulbrich. There were some question marks with him. And Nathaniel Hackett, who's good as an offensive coordinator. But again, the coaching is still much more experienced with the other three teams. Vic Fangio comes to Miami, which is nice. Bell Belichick, like you said, best coach in the NFL still. And you, you, Matt Patricia comes back to help out their defense. The question is, what will they end up signing in the offseason? Because their town, like you said, is very far behind now. Yes. The Jets and the Bills and the Dolphins. All three of them are really loaded. Are you surprised wise. that the Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots having the money that they had have not signed anybody big? They yeah. haven't landed any big names. We remember a couple of years ago when they had, what, $100 million or what was it, $85 million? And they spent a ton right. of money in that offseason, yep. adding the players that they did. This year they have a ton of money open and, and willing to, to land big-time players, and they didn't do it. Yep, so far. Not, not yet. So far their only one is Juju Smith-Schuster so far. <laughs> Surprisingly, and, and I'll tell you this, Juju will fit in New England. He will fit like a glove in New England because he could play the slot. He could play the number two. He could even be the number one. I don't think he's good enough to be the number one, but he could do a lot of things that Bill Belichick likes to use those big bodied uh, wide receivers. And he's, he's a big body wide receiver. He's not like six foot four, six foot five, but he's big. He, he's, he's got a big body. He has a, he has a big frame and he could do a lot of things that the New England Patriots couldn't do at that wide receiving position for the last couple of years. I mean, Jacoby Myers, he goes, <laughs> he goes over there to Vegas. We'll see how that works over there. Making, what do you have, 30 catches last year, 35 catches last year. And he got, what, $12 million a year? Yep, and uh, you're told Josh McDaniels is definitely showing his ego, signing Jimmy Garoppolo, now Jacoby Myers. Two, two Patriots connections there. And uh, now trying to probably trade uh, Hunter Renfro, already traded Darren Waller. He's definitely showing that end of it. So good luck, Raiders, with all that. Yeah, and, and we will get into a little bit later some of the acquisitions that some of these teams made um, at the uh, free agency uh, when it opened up on Wednesday, or really opened up on Monday, and now they're signing players today. Uh, but I think that when you sit here today and you try to compare and contrast some of the moves that all these teams made, the big move and the, the big drop was Aaron Rodgers. Everybody was waiting to find out if Aaron Rodgers is retiring, is he going back to Green Bay, is he going to Vegas, or he's, is he going to the Jets? And it took a while. It took, what, two weeks for Aaron Rodgers to come out and speak? And it's so funny when he was speaking to Brandon Marshall over the weekend, he says, uh, we're, we're, you know, time will come very, very soon, and uh, the choice will be out there. It will be made. And then all of a sudden, he said today on the Pat McAfee show that decision was made on Friday. He knew he was going to the Jets on Friday. When he did the interview with Brandon Marshall, I think it was Friday. So he knew already. I don't know if Brandon Marshall knows. I don't know if he told Brandon Marshall when he was interviewed by him on the flag football field. But you, you sit here today, if you're a Jet fan, you should be excited. The question is, what are the Jets going to give up for him? And being that there was a list of players that Aaron Rodgers wanted, which we heard from Aaron that that wasn't true. Are they going to bring in Mercedes Lewis or Randall Cobb? Are they going to trade Elijah Moore, which there were stories coming out that the Browns and Vegas, teams of that nature, are interested in him? Falcons, too, I've heard. Do the Jets trade Elijah Moore and get back the second-round pick or maybe 
a third round pick for Elijah Moore because they might lose a second or third trading for Aaron Rodgers. Nevertheless, the Jets restructured restructured multiple contracts to bring to possibly bring Rodgers in, including DJ Reed, who reconstructed his contract. And and Lincoln Tomlinson, who's another player, two players that they brought in free agency last year, two players that play well. Lincoln Tomlinson's second half was better than his first half. And DJ Reed was one of the best corners in the league last year. And he restructured restructured his uh, contract for Aaron Rodgers. Why? Because he knows he has the best chance to win a Super Bowl if they bring in a player like this. Now, how does this benefit Zach Wilson? One, Zach Wilson will be sitting behind Aaron Rodgers for the next two years, maybe three. It will help him grow as a quarterback. Now, do anybody think or thinks that Zach Wilson is going to be the quarterback of the future for the New York Jets? Probably not. But playing behind a guy like Aaron Rodgers, a lot of people compared his skills to Aaron Rodgers when he obviously was drafted by the New York Jets at number two a couple of years ago. Maybe playing behind his favorite quarterback, the quarterback that he respects for the next two years, Speedy, will give him the opportunity to learn the quarterback position. Yeah, you would hope that Zach Wilson's maturity could definitely come with somebody like Aaron Rodgers, who Aaron Rodgers has mentioned that Zach Wilson was a lot like him when he was a younger quarterback, too. Aaron Rodgers obviously sitting the three years behind Brett Favre, and Aaron Rodgers obviously taking the shot at the 49ers. If the 49ers didn't draft him, it seemed at the time kind of immature. And Zach Wilson, you look at the comments he's made, the just not being able to be coached up well Mm -hmm. with all these different coaches, all these different coordinators that he's had. And again, they... The coordinator, the quarterback coach for the Jets in his rookie season, unfortunately passing away, maybe didn't help because he had a good connection with that coach. But still, even since then, coachability was something that Zach Wilson was supposed to be a better than than that came to Sam Darnold. A lot of Jets fans were saying Sam Darnold was not coachable, and that's why he didn't grow. Mm -hmm. And people are thinking Zach Wilson wasn't going to have those issues. But it's been even worse, I would say, with his maturity. So hopefully, if they do end up trying to intend on having him get a fresh start down the road, either with the Jets or with somewhere else where he gets some more trade value, he's just gonna definitely going to have to mature in that regard. I think Nathaniel Hackett will help Zach Wilson grow as a quarterback because if you heard Aaron Rodgers speak, he's very good with young quarterbacks. Jordan Love grew as a quarterback because of Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel Hackett helped Aaron Rodgers grow as a quarterback, as a veteran quarterback. If you look at Aaron Rodgers' numbers, his two MVP years was under Nathaniel Hackett. His passing rating, his quarterback rating was the highest of his career. And what he did for those two years with Nathaniel Hackett threw over 8,000 yards and uh, over 40 touchdowns. I mean, when you you look at the ability that Aaron Rodgers has as a quarterback and the ability that Zach Wilson has. Now, like Jeff and me and Jeff have argued off air about Zach Wilson. And he said that he came from BYU, a spread offense. It's not an NFL quality offense. And that's why Zach Wilson should have been sitting the bench for the last couple of years, learning the quarterback position. I agree with Jeff. By the way, Jeff is going to be eating some doggy doo-doo very, very soon, Jeff, because you lost a bet. You sit here and you, you like to talk crap on the on all over social media the way you do and making fun of whatever I say, but you're the one that's going to have to be posting on FaceTime what you're going to be doing because you lost a bet. You lost a bet, buddy. 
You're going down in flames. And you could say whatever you want. Nobody wants to eat doggy doo-doo. But you're going to do it because you live up to your bets as well as I do. Yes, you're the man. You're a man of your word. And I'm looking forward to seeing that. We're posting on social media. Everybody's going to have the quality video and the time of their life watching Jeff eat dog doo-doo. The Giants trade for third round for tra- the Giants trade their third round pick to the Raiders for Darren Waller. I like this move for the New York Giants for a number of reasons. One, Daniel Jones likes to throw to tight ends. He does. He showed it this year. He likes to throw to big guys. And with the lack of offense that the Giants have had over the last couple of years, yes. Kenny Galladay was not the right fit for the New York Giants. He's not. And you sit here and you, you, as a Giant fan, look at the third round pick that they gave up for Darren Waller, who, by the way, is probably a top four tight end in the league. If he stays healthy, this could be an absolute steal for the New York Giants. Now, When you look at Daniel Jones and the Giants are trying to build. They're trying to build this offense from scratch. Dable had a season with none of his players. The third round pick that they traded for Darren Waller was the same pick that they got from the Chiefs. And they traded after trading Kadarius Toney who obviously won a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs, and he will grow as a wide receiver with the Kansas City Chiefs. So that third-round pick that they traded for Darren Waller was the same pick they got from the Chiefs last year when they traded, at the trade deadline, Kadarius Toney to the Chiefs. Waller's cap hit is $11.87 million this season. And then he has the option after next season to opt out. If the Giants keep him, he has three more years after that with a cap hit of 12 to 13 million and 15 million in, in each of those seasons as well. Now, Darren Waller coming to New York, obviously, his wife plays for the Liberty. That could be a reason why he's not upset that he's coming to New York. Vegas was, well, Oakland was the team that gave him his opportunity coming from Baltimore with all the problems that he had. He can thank John Gruden for developing him. He hasn't had a great season since John Gruden. Since John Gruden was fired from the Vegas Raiders. But the talent that this guy has, the speed that this guy has, probably one of the fastest tight ends in the league. He's not the best blocker. But offensively, this guy on the line is a big wide receiver. He is going to be used as a wide receiver slash tight end. I don't know if the Giants are going to make a big move or a big splash for a number one wide receiver. There's not many available this offseason. There isn't. And for the money that they're spending on Daniel Jones... And Saquon Barkley and now Darren Waller? How much money do they have left? And do they invest their money in a wide receiver? Or do they invest their money in offensive line help, which they have 
not had much of in this past season that they played. Yeah, they're going to have to make some sacrifice with that. Either way, whether it's offensive line, they're going to have to trust a lot of the one-year deals again because they had tried that last year. John Feliciano worked, but um, the Mark Lewinsky did not work, and Nick Gates ended up going to Washington now. So they have a lot of weaknesses on that interior offensive line. Wide receiver, they have a lot of gadget-type slot wide receivers, and Isaiah Hodgins, who looked good in the second half of the season, but no true number one. And now that they traded a third-round pick, are they going to be willing to part ways with another draft pick if they want a big-name receiver? Now, um, the one I mentioned was T. Higgins, but that's not going to happen. The Bengals are not going to trade him now, it seems like. So Michael Pittman maybe is another one that the Colts, if they decide that they want to start rebuilding with a new coach, new quarterback, all that, could be considered because it's a fourth-year option. I don't want an older wide receiver. I don't want them to bring him an Adam Thielen or something like that. I don't think that's going to help them because they're not really a number one guy. I want them to stay young and maybe improve their offensive line with the rest of the money if they do that. As far as the Waller trade itself, I'm mixed on it. I don't hate it, but I don't love it. Like you said, not a great blocker, which does not help the offensive line issues and doesn't help Daniel Jones running. He has been hurt a lot the last two years, and he has an opt-out after this year, mm-hmm. too. So He's not opting out. I, I don't think he would either. But He's getting a lot of money, and nobody's going to pay him $12, 13000000 million a year for a guy that last year played nine games. And, and had 28 catches and 388 yards and three touchdowns. You're paying him a lot of money for a guy that, over the last two seasons, has played what? How many games? Uh, 11, 18 yeah, games? I think it was 11 games in 2021 and nine games in 2022. So definitely not ideal. Last year, obviously, Josh McDaniels did not like using him, and that was a big reason why he wanted out of there. And Darren Waller is... He's 30 th- years old, too. uh-huh. He's going to be 31 at the start of the year. A guy that has been drafted since 2016, had a lot of injury issues and obviously the off-field issues with the Ravens. Ended up being a finalist for comeback player of the year with the Raiders. But like you said, more of a John Gruden find. It hasn't been as good since then. If you look at his numbers, Waller has 280 catches in his career for 3,394 yards, 17 touchdowns in four seasons with the Raiders, and made a Pro Bowl in 2020. The Giants only have $2.47 million in cap space after trading for Waller. The Raiders signed wide receiver Jacoby Myers, who has only slightly less of a cap hit than Waller does at $10.5 million. They also signed Jimmy Garoppolo to be their new quarterback, who has a cap hit of $33.7 million. So you sit here today, if you're a Giant fan, and I know we have Jeff on the other line. No, it's the beef. Actually. Oh, we have the beef? Let's, let's put him through. But before we put him through, I will say this. If you're a Giant fan sitting here today, is this the move that you wanted, or is this the move that you hope that could take this team offensively to that next level, to that next place, which they didn't really take this year because they had Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones? All right, Beef, what do you got? What's up, boys? How are you? We're good, man. I'm sitting here drinking a beer with Jamie Lee. Jamie yeah. Lee Kurt, what's up, man? Yeah, yeah what's up? <laughs> so... Giants made a big mistake with Waller. The guy has not proven to stay healthy. I know his numbers show that he could be a top, you know, three, four tight end in the league when healthy. But he's playing with an overrated quarterback who I don't think is any good, Daniel Jones. He proved Daniel Jones proved himself in one game that doesn't make him a, a really good quarterback. So the Giants are going to have a lot of issues. They don't have offensive line help. Um you, you put the tag on Barkley. I mean, you don't know what you're going to get with him, too, because he hasn't proved to stay healthy besides last year. So the Giants are in a, a lot of trouble, in my eyes. 
Well, the Giants are not in trouble necessarily. I, I think not necessarily in trouble because of that. They're in trouble because of the cap and not being able to do it with everything else. I think the Giants' approach should have been to be a little more well-rounded I mean, in a trade and get players that were more controllable. Yeah, but they don't, they don't have a receiving core. Who, who's I know the that. top receiver? They I know don't that. have anybody to throw the ball to. Beav, I know that. I, I, I'm, I was mixed on the trade. I didn't love it so because of the cap the, hit. The Eagles, like the Eagles the are still going to be a good team, and the Cowboys just got better. I don't know about that. Day. The Eagles lost Darius Slade. They released him. The, one of the best corners in the league. They let him go for nothing. Yeah, they didn't they, trade they're him. Still, they're, they're still good. They're, they still have a great front seven. They still have a good defense. They signed Bradbury, which... Was yeah, a good but signing, they, but they lost. They still have a good. They still have a good offense. So the Eagles are still going to be tough. The the Eagles have lost players this off season. They yeah, they, they lost. lost they them. added some players, but they lost players. They added Penny, but they lost Sanders. They're losing players now. So you, are they? Good. No, you don't think they're going to be as good? As, well, I don't know. I don't know because you're losing Darius Slay. That's a significant loss. They're going to lose Johnson. They're going to lose Johnson. Hold on. They're going to lose Johnson. He's going. He's in free agency right now. He's probably going elsewhere. So the corner position is is not as good as it was last year for the Eagles. So when you look at some of these teams in the NFC that are going to get better in free agency and maybe the draft, no, I I don't know if the Eagles are going to be as good as they were last year. And last year was the chance for them to win the Super Bowl. Losing against the Chiefs in the Super Bowl absolutely affected them. How hard? It's not easy. It's not easy to go back to back years to the Super Bowl and and, and then obviously no, it's win. Very easy. Well, I mean, we've seen it that it's very hard to win back to back division titles in the uh, NFC East. It hasn't happened in how many years? That doesn't mean they can't be a tough out of the playoffs. No, I think the I think the Eagles are good because the NFC is not good right now. I mean, if you look on paper, you look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers goes to from the Packers from the NFC to the AFC to the Jets. All the good quarterbacks are moving from the NFC to the AFC. So the AFC oh, yeah. is getting more powerful, and the NFC is starting to be more. It's it's more of a drought for top quarterbacks. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, 100. percent They're all the good quarterbacks in the AFC. So, and and again, you you, you see Derek Carr. Derek Carr goes from the AFC to the NFC. Derek Carr automatically becomes either the third or second best quarterback in the NFC. If you look at the quarterbacks, is he better than Geno Smith? He is. Is he better yes. than Matthew Stafford? I don't know. I don't know how healthy Matthew Stafford is. Ma- Matthew Stafford is. So we don't know what Matthew Stafford is going to come back as. And they're not going to be any good either because they just lost oh. Jalen Ramsey and they're trading away pieces because they need talent and they want to build uh, from the defensive side of the ball to the offensive side of the ball with Sean McVay. And yes, Mike LaFleur, who's no longer with with the Jets. So you sit there and then you look at the NFC East. Yeah, the Giants are getting better. You say it's not a good move for the Giants. Well, if you look at Darren Waller, well, I hold say on. It's not a good move because he can't stay healthy. Is Darren Waller the best? Automatically, is Darren Waller one of the top three uh, tight ends in I the NFC that, automatically? Said, he I is. said that he is one healthy. Yes. All right. If he stays healthy with the Giants, maybe it was Oakland. I mean, maybe it was Vegas not, t- you know, not I taking care of him. When health, when healthy, All yes, right, so wanna... so why are you saying it was such a bad move? The guy has proven to stay healthy. All right, and if it... he stays healthy, is it a bad move? No, then it, then it's not a bad move. No. So the Giants but are I taking a shot. I don't think I don't think the guy can stay healthy. All right. My, 
And, and the Giants, he could decide to opt out of his contract. If he has a good year with the Giants, he could say, you know what, I'm going to opt out of the contract. But if he opts out of the contract, he's 31, he'll be 32 next year. Nobody's going to give him 12 or $13 million a year no, no that he is going to get. That. So he's going to opt into that contract. And if he turns out to be healthy and he turns out a good season, well, which I think he's capable of doing, with Dable, who loves tight ends, ask Knox over there in Buffalo. He likes the big wide receivers, I'm not, I'm and he not likes the tight he ends. Can't stay healthy. I just don't think he is. That's rubbing. Given what we've seen from this guy, again, it's a hit. It's a. It was a hit and miss for the Giants, but to get Darren Waller, arguably the fourth or third best tight end in football, for a third round pick, it was a steal. It's a steal. Well, for what they give up for him, yes, yes, it's a steal. A steal. But- and but he could turn out. My uh, question is, can he stay healthy? Best offensive weapon in the NFC right now, besides C.D. Lamb and besides A.J. Brown, who's the third best offensive option as far as wide receivers and tight ends right now in the well, N- still, NFC East? Well, you, you still got Kittle in San Francisco. No, East, uh, NFC East. East. Oh, NFC East. It's it's probably Waller. Okay, so you just gave up a third round pick for the third the best got, optional they, they got, offensive weapon in the NFC East. I understand that, but I don't think the guy can stay healthy. What do you think about Zeke being dropped by Zeke, the Cowboys? I mean, you knew it was coming. It was, I mean, they want to save they're saving eleven million dollars on the cap from getting rid of him, so it's a smart move. Because Pollard is clearly the better running back right now. He's younger running back, and he's the better. He could do a lot more things than Zeke can. Yeah, he's a better, he's better, uh, you know, catching catcher out of the backfield. That's for sure. You weren't upset that Zeke Elliott is not going to return as the Dallas Cowboys no. superstar like Barry Sanders did with the Second Lions. Coming of Barry Sanders. Well, I wanted, I want Dak gone. That's what I want. I don't want him as my quarterback. So the guy is trash. He doesn't belong. He doesn't belong to wear that star. He's a joke of a quarterback. He needs to get his ass out of Dallas. Are you going to trust Cooper Rush to take over as the franchise quarterback? No, I don't want him either. He, he wanted Aaron Rodgers. He wanted Aaron Rodgers. That's but what I wanted. I wanted Aaron Rodgers on that team. But he wasn't heading. He There was no, no way in hell. Getting. There was no way in hell he was going there, but that would have been a smart move. There was no way in hell Green Bay was going I, to trade I, I would, within the conference. You know I would I would go after Lamar Jackson right now. Lamar Jackson, I believe, no matter who offers two first-round draft picks and a big contract, I, I can't see Baltimore letting him go. Now, well, there, there was another interesting thing today that came up that saying that uh, those rumors that oh that he could possibly wind up in San Francisco, but I don't think that's going to happen. No, the the best and the most complete team that makes a lot of sense for him to go to is the Falcons. Okay, that's that's where I think he fits with the play the weapons that they have over there and the draft stock that they have. You add Lamar Jackson to that team right now with Kyle Pitts. And, and the weapons they have over there, they're automatically a playoff team. Especially, Lamar Jackson becomes the best quarterback in the NFC. Automatically. You can argue he's better than Jalen Hurts. So, if Lamar Jackson goes to the NFC, he absolutely becomes the best NFC quarterback. So, yeah, yeah. the Falcons could jump from one of the worst teams in the NFC to one of the best. Just because of Lamar Jackson. Is he worth... I think... For somebody, for a team like Atlanta to make a move like this, 
this absolutely is worth giving up two first-round draft picks. Am I right or wrong, Speedy? Yeah, because it's also the perfect scheme fit for the Falcons because they're kind of an exotic running scheme anyway. There weren't much of a passing attack last year with Marcus Mariota and then Desmond Ritter when he played. Kyle Pitts was kind of misused. Drake London was in and out with injuries. was good when he was healthy, but they weren't really built for that. Their running game was what was strong, even with Mariota, too. Cordero Patterson was running as a hybrid-type receiver. Tyler Algier is a running back that looked pretty good. So I think they were already built for that kind of offense. So I think Lamar Jackson is worth trying to trade two first-round picks in order to do that. The Falcons, they're pretty young as it is. They've already been pretty active in free agency, improving other areas. And they've drafted, not greatly, but pretty well for the most part. They're the only team. They're the only team. I think think it's two teams for Lamar. It's either probably Baltimore or, like you said, Atlanta. I think that's the only two teams. I, I I can't see... A guy like Harbaugh, and, and he's right now on the hot seat. I don't care what anybody says. Harbaugh is on the hot seat. They need Lamar Jackson just as much as Lamar needs Baltimore. Okay? Yes. And if Lamar played in the playoffs last year, we might have been speaking about you know Baltimore knocking off Kansas City or Baltimore knocking off any one of those teams, like the Jaguars or whoever they were well, matched up with. The reason why he signed out, because if he would have got hurt, then he really wouldn't have got a contract yes. His so legs. He, he protected himself by sitting out. And it was a, a smart move. And I, I, I do believe because Lamar Jackson doesn't have an agent, he's trying to negotiate his deal. It's it's affecting uh, the negotiation ne- negotiation process. The, age, process. the agents know how to handle things differently. Well, I again, Lamar Jackson knows his worth. I think a lot of teams know what Lamar Jackson is worth. And the fact that he hasn't received that from the Baltimore Ravens is a smack in the face. When they're adding players and they're bringing in players from other teams and other organizations that are making hundreds of millions of dollars, when he's sitting there as an MVP... The problem with Lamar is he wants a fully guaranteed contract like Deshaun Watson. And he deserves it. Not a full, not fully guaranteed. Why does Deshaun Watson deserve a two hundred thirty million dollar guarantee contract and not him? He doesn't. He doesn't deserve that either. You want to have a certain amount of guaranteed money? That's fine, but not the whole contract. Sorry. There are not many top quality quarterbacks that play on a franchise tag like Lamar Jackson did. Hold on, Spieth. Let me speak for a second. There are not many. Quarterbacks, top-level quarterbacks, top seven, top eight quarterbacks that play on a franchise tag like Lamar Jackson did last year. So, to me, Lamar Jackson deserved an extension last year. And when you see Kyler Murray get it, and now he has a torn ACL and he's going to miss half the season this year with a new coach, and one of the main reasons why Kingsbury is, is no longer the head coach of the Cardinals is because of Kyler Murray and his lacklusting playing last year. He did yeah, not Lamar play well last year. Have a fully guaranteed yes, he does. Lamar Jackson wants three years, $133 million, Okay. Kyler Murray got what, Speedy? What was it? 189 guarantee. 189 guarantee for what? Seven years? Six Six, years? Six years. It was 240 was the base. So you're telling me Kyler Murray that never won an MVP, never won anything, played in one playoff game, and absolutely blew it against the, 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 the future Super Bowl champions that year. Gets the money that that next offseason. That offseason, he gets $189 million guaranteed from a guy like Lamar Jackson in what? He's played five years in the NFL. He was an MVP. He was a runner-up for an MVP. And he took his team, what, three out of the five years to the playoffs and actually won a playoff game. I understand what you're saying, but they don't. none of these players deserve a fully guaranteed contract. 
None of them. I understand what your argument is and that getting overpaid. We all know that. But I've had that argument with Jeff off air. And Jeff was explaining to me that, you know, the players the players union and obviously the NFL negotiated after they went on strike when they played with uh, what do they call them? Um, holdouts. Holdout yeah. players. Tags, no, yeah. no, no. I'm talking about the players that they brought in. Um, they weren't NFL players. They were backup yeah. players. Yeah. Whatever. They brought, them, they brought them in, and it didn't work. Replacement players. The NFL thought they were going to sell their product with replacement players. It didn't work. Of course it wasn't going to work. And look at the MLB, what they did in, in 95, 96, when they went on strike. Baseball was falling apart. Then Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, when they came back from strike, steroid era started really yep. at that time. If it wasn't for Sammy Sosa and Mark McGuire, was baseball be going to be saved? Probably not. So, again, you sit here, and I will argue with Jeff, and, and, and I have a lot of respect for Jeff and his, his opinions to certain things. I disagree with him. I think players are overplay, uh, overpaid. And if players are going to be overpaid, they have to play. If they don't play, there should be an insurance well, policy. But, that, but that, that, that's another problem. Like, So, for instance, you watch the NBA now and all these players all need a rest day. There was no rest day back in the day when Michael Jordan played and Larry Bird and Magic Johnson and all these great athletes. There was never rest days for these guys. They went out there and they played the game. So I've argued that with Jeff as well. And I, I, I could go back and forth with you and everybody else why I think players are overpaid. But guess what? These owners make a lot well, of money. These owners make a lot of money. Hold on. They do. They, they make do. a lot of money. But the players are what brings in the money. Their names, them as a product okay. brings in the so money. So the players bring in the money. But when you go to a game and LeBron James is sitting out. Well, that's my the argument. Money. There has to be some kind of agreement from the players' union, especially if they're making the money that they made, okay? And so if they're not, if they're hurt, hold on, if they're hurt, if they're hurt for a whole season, like the MLB. Now, Jeff and me argued about this off-air. I said, you know, if if a player misses a significant amount of team, a, a season, and they miss like, they play like 40 games, and they miss a significant amount of time, there's an insurance policy, and the insurance pays for the rest of the season, it goes to them, and the team pays for that insurance policy. Here's my argument to that. If the players don't play a significant amount of time or a significant amount of games, that they shouldn't have to pay them that full fee for that year, that there has to be a negotiation where there's a policy to it. If you play a certain amount, if you play over 50% of your games, you get all your money. If you don't play 50% of your games, well, then you're going to lose money. There has to be some kind of agreement from the player. It's never going to happen because no, it's, not. it's never going to happen because these players make and they're supposed to make the amount of money that there was agree it was agreed upon by the owners and by the players' union. So um, that's the difference, and it'll never happen. That'll never change. Spe uh, no, as I argued with Speedy in the past, and what I'm as I've argued with Jeff, and I'm, I'm telling you, it's only going to go up. It's go up. It's never going to go down. So that's well, the way the game. I you're going to see a quarterback me, make a hundred million dollars a year eventually. You're going to see a quarterback make that. I mean, you know, you never see quarterbacks miss a football game really, unless they're unless they're really hurt. But they, for the most part, they're always out there on the field playing. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, Beef. I'm, I'm saying that when you look at the the picture here. No, I understand. What the you're lot of, a lot of these players are making. Tons of money. They're making a lot of money. And some of them, like Darren Waller, you're just arguing, complaining. Darren Waller has played 
19 games in two years, and he's making, what, $12 million a year? That's a lot of money to pay a player that's not playing, that can't stay on the football field. If I was a good player, if I had two good seasons and I get an extension, I get a four-year extension worth about, I don't know, $50 million, and I don't play, I'm still good, I'm still considered good, and I'm, I don't play for two years, and I'm still making $20 million. I would rather not play. I would rather not get CT or concussion problems, ligament problems, or injuries that could affect me. Clean up now compared to back in the day. Jeff's, so different Jeff's, Jeff's argument and other people's argument is, well, they earn, the, they earn that contract, and they've earned the opportunity to make that kind of money. That so he's give you the right to sit out games, and, and when fans go to the game, they want to see you play, and you're sitting on the bench. That's not right. Again, that we're, we're, I don't want to get into this because I don't want the show to be no, but I'm, but I'm, but I'm just saying based it, on it, this. It, it's, a, it, it's, it's not right. No, it's, it's, not, it's not right, Beef. And again, there's a lot of things that the league needs to clean up, but they're not going to clean up the contracts. It's only going to get up, go up. No. When and you, the, two worst, the two worst sports are basketball and, and, and football. Those no, the football. There's no guaranteed money to these football players. It really isn't. It's baseball. Wow. It's baseball and basketball. And NFL also has the worst insurance policies for players. Hundred percent career too. Hundred percent. A lot of players end up having injuries, CTE issues when they retire, and they only give them five years worth of benefits too for an organization that's making hundreds of billions of dollars. Yep. And it's wow. it's really sad what they're doing. A lot of these retired players, and we've interviewed a lot of them that say they there's no reason that they can't do these same policies the NBA does in Major League Baseball. Wow. Uh, before I go, I'm just going to say the best sport to watch is hockey, and that that's really it. Oh. Those players play, mm-hmm. and they're always on the ice. They're not overpaid. I mean, they're hockey, underpaid. No, they're, they're underpaid. Not over, they're, yeah. they're not. They're not overpaid. But I'm saying though, those guys, those guys play. Yeah, they do. They have broken foot stitches. They come back out and don't. Take, I will. That's a real. That's I a will real say sport. this, and I'll say it over and over and over again. The t- toughest SOBs in sports is hockey players. I don't care what anybody says. Hockey players take the biggest beatings, and they go out there with broken jaws, teeth knocked out in those games, broken noses, broken fingers, broken yeah. toes. They go out there, and they play, and they play hard, and they yeah. deserve every penny that they get. So, yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I've said this with Speedy, and, and same thing with you, Beef. I think hockey players are the toughest SOBs yeah. in professional sports. 100%. All right, Beef, thanks for calling. Well, anyway, fire Dak Prescott. Get rid of him. See you later. <laughs> the Beef, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Jeff, I know you were trying to call earlier. You can call back now. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with Jarvis? I don't know. I haven't heard from him. I don't know why. He uh, responded we... to me earlier and said he was really looking forward to it. And now I can't get him. All right. <laughs> so uh, whenever he pops in, we'll get him on. And now Jeff is here. <laughs> Jeff, what's up, man? Uh, I just can't take it anymore. It's literally... It's literally... Uh, Jeff Daniels and Jim Carrey and Dumb and Dumber trying to figure out economics. Say, dude, hockey players aren't overpaid. No, I don't think they are. No, their salary cap is like under ninety million per team. (laughs) Okay, so let's not be retarded now, Speedy. It's the same exact deal the NFL has. Get a bigger market share, you'll make more money. Their deal is based on television deals and things like that. It's the exact same deal NFL players have. Don't be mad. Because the pie is bigger, so they get paid more. It's the exact same deal. Those high-paid players in the NHL, like the 11, 12, the, I think it's 13. What it, what's the highest paid? 13 million 14. In the 14 million, million. Connor McDavid. I, I knew I was in the ballpark there. That's Aaron Rodgers' 50 million. 
Don't be mad because the NHL only makes a quarter of the money the NFL makes. So the, the oh, they're not overpaid? You're looking at the total dollars, not the pie. It's economics 101. It's literally the most basic thing that you guys can't wrap your head around. Jeff, nobody's arguing about economics and, and attacking math, ma- mathematical. Yes, are, no, I'm not. NFL, no, I'm not. NFL, player, NFL players are I'm saying professional they're, athletes. I'm saying professional athletes. There has to be well, some hockey, kind of agreement to the contracts. Professional athletes. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. I think you hockey, are, hockey players, I'll tell you this, hockey players will par- play hurt. They'll play with broken broken legs and, and broken toes football and broken fingers. Really? Really? I don't know. I, the only player that I saw play on a broken leg was Terrell Owens in football. He was the only one in the Super Bowl that actually played with a fractured well, leg. Well, that's what sleeping in a hyperbaric chamber does for you. Okay. It allows you to, it allows you to heal quicker, but he missed a lot of time. There are a sleep. bunch of hockey players that have played with broken feet. A broken I foot. Get, I, get, I get it, but you're, you're arguing a whole different argument. Beef saying that players didn't take time off during the Jordan era. Apparently that slap dick didn't see uh, the last dance. Did he miss the part where Dennis, Dennis Rodman, Rodman yes. a, Vegas, a Vegas vacation mid-season? Yes. But, uh, Did they, he miss that part? Uh, uh, yes, you're right. But in those days, a lot of the superstar players, A.K. Patrick Ewing and Michael Jordan, I remember Patrick Ewing for like three or four years before he got hurt played consistently 82 games a season. And when you have that I, consistency, you, you, want, you want to see the best players on the court, do you not? You want to see that. That's what you're paying for, right? There's no doubt. There's no doubt that you want to do it, but at the same time, I, I think there's like a trade-off of uh, why wear a guy out. Like I think LeBron. Look, listen, I get as frustrated with LeBron James as anybody else does about the load management or whatever. Mm-hmm. But no one gives a shit if you miss week four in November uh, of any game. If if it means that, and you got to think about it, if he was like on the Knicks, right? Mm-hmm. All you want him is healthy for the playoffs. That's all that would matter to you, correct? And he doesn't miss playoff games. I would say if I was a season ticket holder, I would say that. Yeah. I would say that, yes. But when I'm going and I'm paying, what, $150, $200 for a, a crappy seat? Actually, it's probably more than that. It might be $300 for the cheap seats all the way up in the boonies. Yeah, That's- I want to see LeBron James play. Yes. But you know but yeah, of course you do. But you know that's now baked into the cake during regular season NBA. You know that. No, I know Buying those tickets. You know that. I I understand that, Jeff. Then that's not my argument here. My argument here is that these players are making like LeBron James. How much is he making a year? What is it? Forty million? Forty-five million? I don't know. Forty-six million. Let's say say forty-six million. And LeBron James plays sixty games. And one of those games, I I just pick. And and LeBron James not playing that game because he's sitting out because he needs to be healthy for the last 10 games of the season, getting that, getting the Lakers into uh, the playoffs. At me as a, a person that spent, what, $350, $400 for those tickets and not knowing when he was going to play and not when he's going to play, I want to see LeBron James. And the fact that he's not playing in the game because, oh, I picked the wrong game for him to play at, that would piss me off. I'm, I'm, I'm spending what for a hot dog. I'm spending $20 for a hot dog, for $20 for a beer. I'm just saying, I'm spending, I'm spending thousands of dollars to bring me and my girl or me and my son or me and my kids to the game, and I don't get a there, chance to see one of the greatest players ever play the there game. Is a, there is a way to fix that. How's that? Stop watching. Don't go. Vote with your wallet. 
As soon as you stop watching your account go, prices will come back down. They will try to attract you back in. Don't watch, but we all know how that's going to end. Do you remember the be- the great beef strike of 2020? Uh, I'm never watching football again. Yes. How long did that last? Six weeks? No, it lasted a whole season. He didn't watch the whole season. Right, and then he and then yeah. he's back yeah. because he couldn't resist. Yeah, well, because he's right? a, yeah, and that's not a, and, and that's not a shot. You know, many other people have done it, and they all end up back there. Has any like has any of his grievances that he had? Did any of those things change? Not a single one of them changed, and he still came back. I understand that, and I, I understand your arguments to this. And and listen. The players are going to get paid no matter what, and there's really nothing we can do about it. They're going to make more money. Like I said, we're going to see the first quarterback to make over $100 million. Probably in the next three or four years, they're going to make $100 million. No, a year. it won't run. It won't run. Really? I, I, well, they're making 60 now, right? They're, they're, One guy is making 60. Yeah, but it, it, that's... Everyone's making and, and you just said... And, and, am, I, am I wrong that Amazon, with the Amazon New Deal, and I don't know what it's going to be. We don't know how much... And by the way, here's here's the part that you're kind of leaving out. What is that? Players are overpaid. Really? Are they? As far as I knew, and I'm going to get this wrong because I know the number changed and Speedy can help me out and correct me. Uh, the players are allotted $262 million. Mm-hmm. You can spend it however you want. I can give 261 to the quarterback and have one for the other. 224.8 million as the salary. Oh, I thought it was higher than that or whatever. Yep, salary cap. Right. It's a $20 million dollar increase. Yeah, it'll go up probably season. another 20 to 30 million next okay, year with so, Amazon. So, but, so it goes up. I so don't know. We'll so they get 225 million, yeah. whatever, it, whatever that number was. Yeah. I can give 224 a year to one person. To one, if I want. And then just have one million dollars to spend on the other fifty-three guys. You're allowed to spend it however you I want. I understand. These Jeff, teams, Jeff, these teams choosing to give a lot of it to one person is their choice. My argument is not about that. My argument to me, and, and what we've argued off air, is is really when these players aren't playing, when they're out for a significant amount of time, there should be some kind of insurance policy. Right, but 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 first of all, what are you insuring? I, okay, you, you, you a want, policy. Maybe system. we won't call it an insurance policy. Well, no, no, there has on. to be some kind hold of on, agreement. What? So, so it's either one or two things. Either you feel terrible for the owner and you want him to recoup some money, or you're just looking to punish a player and take away his money. No, I'm I I'm paying to watch that player play. If I if LeBron James <clears throat> is out, he's playing. He, he's supposed to play 82 games, and let's say he gets injured and he's out. He plays 20 games. He's out for the rest of the season, including the playoffs. And I, I paid for season tickets for the season or whatever, 10, 12 games, and and I don't get a chance to see LeBron James play. And I paid what three, four thousand for those seats. I can't. I either have to sell them, and nobody's going to want to buy them because they want to see LeBron James too. So I, I mean, I'm. I lose $4,000. I lose $5,000 uh, because LeBron James isn't playing. And he gets paid. And he still gets paid. Have, what does that have to do with, like, oh, you want a player to not get play, paid? No, gets, I'm not like, saying a player shouldn't get paid. There has to be some kind of thing in their contract. Like fan insurance policy. So can, no, like, I'm, I'm – no, no, Jeff, well, you're always – stadium dependent. No, right? I'm not talking about that, Jeff. I'm, t- I'm trying to figure out if the player doesn't play for a significant amount of time or a, si- a significant amount of games – Yes, I think there should be something cut off with with their contract. Yes, I, I so think there's. Want, so you want to take away players' money because, like, let's just say, if they're making forty five uh, million let's, for let's a just, whole season, let's, they let's, make let's thirty. Yeah, they let's lose just, fifteen let's million. Let's take 
let's let's just go back and we'll take an obvious injury. It has nothing to do with today's football. Lawrence Taylor ch- tackling Joe Theismann, the sack on Joe Theismann where he snaps his leg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say that happens week one. You want a dude who just had his leg snapped to not get paid? Again, how many times do you see those injuries? Uh, please answer how many, the question. How many times do you, do you see those? How many times do you see those injuries, Jeff? All the time. Really? All the time. Tua, Tua just had his head bounce off the ground. He was throwing a gas. That was a concussion. That was a concussion. Right, and Jeff. he's still not allowed to play. That's not right? an injury like Alex Smith or or any of these guys or Dak Prescott who came back in a year. Or a year DeMar and a half. Hamlin. Let's go. Let's go. Demar Hamlin. Demar Hamlin. He'll be start, back. He'll be back stopped. this year. Oh right. Okay. He'll be back this year. But he, that happened. He missed the last. I don't know. Five games. Four games. What was? The, what was the end of that? It was the third five. to last game of the season. So yeah. Oh, he missed. So should he not get paid for those games he missed? Jeff, I'm not telling you that they shouldn't get paid. There should be something you in their contract. Yes. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. Speedy, did I say they shouldn't get paid? I said there has to be some kind of agreement. If they don't play a, cer- a certain amount of games that year, that they there should be something cut out of their contract. Absolutely. They shouldn't make all that money. No. If they're not playing, no. They but shouldn't they got, make they it. They got hurt. And they, so, so, if they, so if you're not going to pay them, do they just get to become a free agent? Uh, we said this already. No, Jeff, they're under contract. But you're not honoring that contract. You, you said you were going to. I pay just them. said it has to be put into the contract when you sign them. There has to be oh, in okay. every single right. contract. Well, well, in well, every that, single see, contract. Now, now, see, that is something that you can do. You can put it in the contract. Now, let's just say you are the owner of the Jets. You're Earl, the owner. Okay? And now you go, uh, you get hurt. I'm not paying you because that's the way it should be. You're not playing. I'm not paying you. How many players are going to sign? Just about nobody. If everybody is doing that, if every team is doing that and it's in their contract, oh, oh, they're so going to have want, to live with it. They're going so to have to live with it. owner's collusion to break the fairly negotiated deal that they accepted. No, that's not what I'm saying, Jeff. But I'm saying that, that saying. I'm saying that when they negotiate the deal, something has to be in their contract. Now, I'm not talking about their their past contracts. I think there has to be some kind of agreement in their right, contracts, their new contracts, that if they right, don't play a certain saying, a specific amount of games, yes. Right, right, but what you're saying is going forward, you want all the owners to get together and agree to that. Yes, Jeff. That's what I'm saying. Then, you'll, then you won't get any of the players. They'll all leave. No one's going to hurt themselves for your team, and you think that you're going to sign them. And by the way, that also goes against the collectively bargained agreement. I under Jeff, guaranteed. it's never going to happen. Did you not listen to what I said when the beef was on the phone? It's never going to happen. But it's an argument. What? I don't care, Jeff. It's an argument that I have, and that other fans, and not just me, a ton of fans are talking just, about it. But I just find it. I find it weird. What? Because you, you think you know everything, Jeff? You're going to sit here no, and argue it? You're going to argue it? I know there's a collective I'm bargaining I'm agreement. The other side of the coin, and you don't. Want to hear it. No, like, I I'll, understand. I'll, I'll, We've I'll argued this. I'll give you something you exactly said tonight on oh, your show. Here we go. NHL players are not overpaid. They're not. It's the same deal as the NFL. They're getting the same slice of the pie. Their pie. Okay, so the NHL that just had, what, new agreements from NBC Sports and ESPN and TNT, they're getting all these new contracts, these TV deals that they're getting for games throughout the week. Well, the, uh, by the way, the uh, none of those are in. None of those are in the new, this salary cap. They may be next time. Okay, but the, but their but their agreement is still the same. The players get fifty percent of the money. 
the owner gets 50%. Now, now, it's the same as the NFL. All right, all right, all right. Why are are NHL players appropriately paid, but NFL players are overpaid? Okay, now I'm going to go back to what I said. NHL players play hurt. Do they not? They play... They play beaten up. I've seen it, and there there are times that I see an an NBA player. Oh, he he sprained his finger. He's out for ten games. Mitchell Robinson. He sprained his ankle. He's out for fifteen games. Okay, you can't play it on a sprained ankle. Come on, man. You're an you're a professional athlete. You're the best of the best. You can't I mean, go out there. Ankle. Do you know how hard it is to be a basketball player and play on a sprained ankle? I I was I was a hockey player. I played with sprained ankles before, man. Well, right? Okay. Yeah, we have. But you're also not running, and because I played hockey too, yeah. and you should know, yeah. you should know that that hockey is anaerobic, yeah. not aerobic. I understand. And you should know the difference. I understand. Because, and there's and there's different muscles that you use I, in each one. I, and the pounding for running isn't the same as skating in hockey. Different injuries can be debilitating to people, mm. but that has nothing to do with the amount of money. You have an issue with the amount of money people are making. No, when I have really an issue for the amount of money that they're making, and they're not playing a full season to make it. That's my argument. I don't care what they make. I don't care what they make. You want to make $100 million? Let them make $100 million. But they have to play. They can't. You can't pay somebody $100 million and say in, the, in two years of playing, oh, I, he, he, he broke his finger or, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, he broke his right toe or he's got plantar fasciitis or whatever they have. And there's plenty they're, of people that get hurt in hockey that sit out, dude. Yeah, and there are plenty and of hockey players. Of people, and, there's plenty of, and there's plenty of NFL players that still play hurt. Dude, Jacoby, I, I'll just name Patriots because it's what I'm familiar with. Yeah. Jacoby Brissett, the year Brady was um, suspended. Was suspended. Four games. Yeah, I remember. Right. right. Jacoby Brissett played quarterback and was missing a ligament in his thumb. And why do you think like, he played? Because he knew that he was never – it was very hard for him to get another chance as a starting quarterback. He wanted no, to prove he himself. No, he played because he was the last quarterback on the I understand that, but – Garoppolo got hurt. So. But, but again, right. uh, again – Jacoby Brissett doesn't know when the next time he's going to be a starter, court, starting quarterback. And remember this year, this past year, when he was playing, uh, who was it? I'm sorry, Jacoby Brissett was playing for who? The this Browns. Year? The Browns. And yes, in the beginning of the season, he was playing for the Browns. And I remember in the game that he got hit really, really hard. And at the end of the game, he said, man, you got, you got torn up in that game. Blah, 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 blah. The press was in. And he said, listen, I play... I was hurt in that game. I, I, I definitely could have sat out for the rest of the game. But I knew, I don't know when my next start is going to happen. I don't know when I'm right, going but, to play as a starting quarterback again. Right, so there, I'm going plenty, to play. There's not a lot of quarterbacks plenty, that do that. Of guys, yeah, Aaron Rodgers. Like every, no, but there's plenty of guys like that in every league that are a little tougher versus a little softer. Some guys right. will just – I mean, you know, some guys will just sit out because they got a hangnail or something. Mm. I totally get that part of it. But wanting to take away their money seems – Draconian. Yeah. Well, Jeff, I, I we're definitely going to get off that topic. Do you I'm need not, to look up that word? No, I just don't want to talk about this anymore. We've we've been on this con- really this conversation for what thirty minutes. I don't really want to talk about this anymore. Uh, the Panthers. We, we should talk about the Cowboys cutting a whole. We'll get into that later. Like Barry, I mean Ezekiel. <laughs> Jeff, you could call up later in the show. We're going to get into all the free agents and where they went, and you can get into that. But before, we're, we're going to have, uh, obviously, Dale Scott on in a few minutes. And uh, By the way, uh, Jarvis Green did, did text me back. He said he, his phone was having some issues, so he'll be on at 9 o'clock. All right, so we'll have Jarvis Green. Jarvis Green, Green is yes. the absolute man. If, uh, oh, shit. I don't think I can say this. Anyways, I worked in an establishment in Providence. Mm-hmm. 
when he was with with his time in New England, Jarvis Green is the goddamn man. All right, we'll we'll mention that to him, and you can tell us why on the feed. Yeah, and we'll we'll Dude, bring it up. He's the to best. Right. He was there with Pepper Johnson, Antoine Smith, uh, Richard Seymour. It was like their regular spot. Ask him if he knows a couple named Greg and Michelle. He will definitely know them. All right, yeah, we'll mention it in the feed. We'll bring it up for we'll sure. We'll bring it up. All right, forbid the flood. Jeff from Tampa. Wonderful. And I, 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 I don't mind him calling up and arguing a point, and we can, we can argue points. And he made some quality thoughts to that, that particular segment and that subject that we were in. I just think it goes too far. And, and, and I understand he wants to make a point, and he's, he's, he likes to make his points, by the way. Uh, the Panthers trade DJ Moore two first rounds and two second rounds to the Bears for the number one overall pick. You look at this trade. This is this is a great trade for the Bears. And and a lot of people believe that maybe Carolina is going to trade out out of the number one pick to get back some of the draft stock that they gave up to get to that number one pick. What's interesting about this move and, and, and with the Bears, if it wasn't for Smith in the final game with the Texans, uh, and the Texans won their final game of the season, which pushed them out of that number one pick and pushed them to number two. If Smith, the ex-coach of the Bears, didn't win that game, the Texans would have had the number one pick. And maybe the Texans get all that those picks back and still get the quality quarterback that they want moving forward uh, this offseason in the draft. One uh, Lovey Smith gift. Gifts 10 years later. It's crazy. It's crazy how it, it comes around. Now, I, I'm not saying that Lovey Smith planned that and said, screw you to the Bears. I Or, I'm sorry, not screw you to the Bears. Screw screw the Texans and help the Bears out because all the years that he was the head coach over there for the Bears and he loved the Bears. When the Bears and, and Lovey Smith decided to part ways, he, he spoke so highly of the organization and ownership. But uh, it, it's just funny how Lovey Smith, the Ex, well, no longer the Texans coach, but the uh, the Texans coach last year, the ex coach of the Chicago Bears, was the reason why the Bears got the number one pick. Yeah, ironic in the sense of the Texans. All right, you, you were going to bring, bring fire one African American coach, but fire another. So he knew he didn't like the organization. Let's go uh, screw them up and not give them the number one overall pick. Nice job. I knew I'm not going to coach here anyway. What's the point of me giving it to you? Good job, Texans ownership. But yeah, like you were saying, great trade for the Bears. Like oh. I, DJ Moore is a fantastic, good young receiver. He's actually a pretty affordable. Top 12 deal. wide receiver in this He's league. He's not actually a pretty affordable deal. Only $15 million a year, which is not bad at all. And... He's on the last two years of that deal. He's been a number one receiver that's gone through all different types of quarterbacks. When he got drafted, Cam Newton played well that first half of the season, then got hurt. They then kind of fell off. The team fell apart. They were 6-2. and two. They finished the year 7-9. and nine. And then since then, Cam Newton had all those injuries. They had Kyle Allen. Then they trade for Sam Darnold. Last year, they trade for Baker Mayfield. So he's doing it. It was all these different quarterbacks. P.J. Walker, they tried. And... He still put up pretty consistent numbers good to year. Not a big-bodied guy, not a great overall possession, but touch not a touchdown guy, but still very good route runner, good speed, good deep threat, and a good mixture of everything in his game. And they get that, two first-round picks, and two second-round picks. The Bears have a lot of different options they could go for. They've been active in free agency already, and they just trade for Chase Claypool last year who didn't play well. They still have Darnell Mooney. All of a sudden, their receivers look good. They still need to work on the offensive line and the defense, though. The Panthers have only had the number one overall pick once in franchise history, and that was in 2011 when they landed Cam Newton, and Cam Newton was the one that took them all the way to the Super Bowl uh, against the uh, 
Broncos. They lost against the Broncos, but that was a year that franchise history will always remember. That was one of the best defensive teams we've seen in the last 20, 25 years. And, uh, you know, Cam Newton had one of those seasons that he was the MVP that year, and he was fantastic. And had a wonderful outfit, by the way. You know, outfits, different hats. I mean, one of the funniest dressers I've ever seen. DJ Moore had 63 receptions last year for 888 yards. He was hurt a significant amount of time this year. Seven touchdowns last season, playing for three different starting quarterbacks. That's three different quarterbacks thrown to him. There have been many early rumors of what quarterback the Panthers are favored to get at number one. Uh, Anthony Richardson Richardson is a big name after what he did at the Combine. Uh, they were very highly uh, high on him and uh, high regards uh, throughout the offseason. And, and really, what he did this year for Florida um, and C.J. Stroud uh, have been the ones mentioned most. I think C.J. Stroud is the number one guy on on their list. But I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony Richardson would be the guy after what he did at the Combine. And maybe two years sitting under uh, Frank Wright. And I, there's a, he's a guy that can help him grow as a quarterback. And his skill, his ability, uh, the Panthers would have the all-around quarterback. This guy could run as fast as Cam Newton, faster, as big as Cam Newton, has a good arm, an accurate arm, and could do all the things that you expect him to do as a star quarterback in this league. He just needs a little bit more time uh, under center and, and actually learn uh, an NFL style of offense. DJ Moore had almost double the receiving yards of any bear leader last year in the wide receiving position, which uh, was Darnell Mooney, who had 493 yards and tight end Cole Komet, who led the Bears in receiving with only 544 receiving yards. DJ Moore's contract counts uh, for 20.1 million against the cap this season and then has an option after next season, so he can opt out of the contract. He won't. Moore's next two seasons will count for 16 million. That's why he won't opt out. I mean, he'd still be one of the highest paid wide receivers in the league, probably amongst the top 10. Reports uh, from Sports Illustrated, Albert Breer said that the Texans at number two and the Colts at number four were were the two, two other teams that were definitely pursuing the number one overall pick from the Bears. So, um, it's interesting. I, I think the Bears, Bears won on this trade. I think the Bears could trade out of that ninth pick. I could see them doing that. They want to build. And adding DJ Moore, they needed that number one wide receiver. Now with the, the, the talent that they have, Mooney played the way, if he could stay on the field, they have the depth that they didn't have last year at the wide receiver position. Made a trade with Pittsburgh uh, at the trade deadline to add another wide receiver. So they they have now three or four wide receivers that are quality wide receivers going into the season for Justin Fields. There's no excuse for Justin Fields this year to develop his throwing um, ability. Now, he ran the ball very well, very well last year. He was one of the best running quarterbacks in the league. Um, but the beating that he took last year, being that he's six foot three, 230 pounds, he needs uh, the offensive line played a little bit better in the second half, but he needs offensive line help. He needs wide receivers to get open so he can make the throws in the open field. So uh, maybe they have that. And DJ Moore is a quality wide receiver. He's not just a half ass. To me, giving up two first rounds and two second rounds 
That's understandable. Giving up DJ Moore, who was a first-round draft pick and a, a quality wide receiver at the, the age that he is, and it's not easy. Wide, wide receivers, number one targets in the NFL don't grow on trees. As you can see, this offseason, there are not many available. They usually don't go to free agency or they don't get traded at, you know, in the prime of their careers. Uh, this was a big move, big move for the for the Bears to add a, a talent like this. Yeah, and now they can focus on the offensive line, too. They have so many draft picks to do that, so much money. Their receiving core is pretty set now. If Claypool actually plays like he should his, his rookie year, because he's a big-body guy, and Mooney's a good speed they got, guy down the They field. got three big-body guys. But, yeah, they have to focus now on that offensive line and also getting the passing attempts in there as well. Yes, and they have a ton of tight ends, as we saw last year. So they have weapons now. Now Justin Fields needs to develop his skills, make the throws this year, and do what everybody believed he was going to do coming out of Ohio State. And I believe he could. He has the, the leg leg ability, the, the foot ability to, to get out of tackles and, 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 and break tackles. Now we have to see if he can make every single throw. He didn't do it this year. He had a lot of problems, maybe because of the lack of talent. Now there's no excuses. The Bears have to go on the field, get on the field. They have the most money this offseason. Take that money and spend it in free agency. Draft right this year and, and, and move forward with this team. This team could be rebuilt. In the NFC, being as weak as it is in the division with no longer uh, uh, a guy like Aaron Rodgers in the same division, so you can't make that complaint as you know the Green Bay Packers go into Chicago and they go into Green Bay and they can't beat them. There's no excuses anymore. You have Jordan Love over there that has a lack of offense. Randall Cobb's not going back there. Uh, you see all the different players, all the veteran players that have decided to part ways with Green Bay. The Lions are the only team that really, and Minnesota, I worry about Minnesota because this year they lost some secondary help and, and their their offense, as good as it was with Jefferson, they're, they're, they're going to lose Adam Thielen. He is going, he's going to be leaving in free agency. So when you, when you look at the Minnesota Vikings, they might not be the same team next year either. So, the, the team that they have to worry about is the, the young team that we've been really making fun of for years, is, and that's the Detroit Lions yep. with uh, Goff coming back and, and now adding Montgomery to this team. This is going to be a dangerous, dangerous team. And by the way, Montgomery stays in the division and goes from the Chicago Bears to the Detroit Lions. So it's going to be fun this year. Uh, it, could the Bears make the playoffs with the acquisitions and, and the moves that they've made so far? Yeah, I think, and they have a lot of money to spend. They're not done. I think the Bears are going to clean up that offensive line. Uh, there's there's a couple. McGlinchey uh, is is a guy that uh, everybody thought they were going to get. He goes to Denver, uh, but there are a lot of players that are still very very good. Brown being one of them. I don't think he was signed yet. No, he wasn't. Maybe he goes to Chicago and helps out that offensive line. Uh, adding adding left tackle of that magnitude to that offensive line could absolutely help moving forward for Justin Fields. When we come back, we will be talking to X. Yes, thirty three year MLB umpire Dale Scott here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loud Mouths. 631-672-3108 is the number to call. You are listening to the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speeder. Yes, Speedy, Petey. 
Remember, you can check out our website by going to www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows, all the talent on our network, and you can interact with all the different analysts that we have, even the writers that we have. Check it out by going to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Our first guest, we had him on the show a while ago, about a year and a half ago, and we have him on again. This guy not only is one of the best umpires of of the last 40 years in the MLB, but a guy that's very well respected around the league. Uh, he has a book out still, and one of, the, one of the better books. If you haven't checked it out, go and check it out. We are now talking to 33-year-old vet ex-MLB umpire, Dale Scott. Dale, what's up, man? Hey, guys. How you doing? Glad to be back. You look good, man. Uh, you look healthy. Well, yeah, well, it's just larger clothes. <laughs> <laughs> How are you and your family doing from COVID-19 since the last time we spoke? Uh, good, good. Everything's been good. And, uh, uh, you know, no, uh, no real relative issues with that, uh, for sure. Um, and things are going good. Just, uh, in fact, I leave, uh, in about, uh, two hours, I'm flying down, uh, to Phoenix and, mm-hmm. uh, spend a few days down uh, spring training, see some of the, uh, some of the umpires working down there, have a few uh, fun dinners and uh, laugh a little bit. And it, sh- it should be a good time. Oh, like I said, you're one of the most respectable, respected umpires in, in the game in the past. And, and you play, you actually ump a lot of different games, a lot of big games over the years in the world series and a divisional series. But why don't we get into it? And everybody's been talking about it with the new rules in the MLB. The, the clock, which a lot of umpires have argued about. Uh, we've, I've read some things that the umpires like and don't like about it. A lot of the players don't like it. Uh, the pitchers hate it. And even some of the hitters, they, they've complained about uh, you know the, having a certain amount of time in the box. Uh, so what are your thoughts to the, the clock? And what is your thoughts to no shifting now in the MLB? Well, I think these uh, these changes, and they're you no, know, they're big changes, obviously, but they've been vetted the last uh, several years at uh, various levels in the minor leagues. So uh, they're doing exactly what they are supposed to do. Frankly, um, the pace of play has increased. Uh, I just read an article earlier about how. Uh, broadcasters are having to cram stuff in real quickly because <laughs> the guys are pitching uh, uh, so much quicker. Um, and of course, if your pace increases, you're, you're bound to have, uh, you know, uh, shorter game times, which is uh, also a perk. And it, you kind of see a, a difference. Watch a, a spring training game, then watch a, a world baseball classic game that don't use those rules. And, and uh, you could see, you, you know, uh, in real time, you can see the difference uh, these rules are doing. Listen, anytime you have a big adjustment, um, you're going to have some pushback. Uh, you got to remember that all the minor league players that are playing in the big leagues right now, but if they played in the minor leagues the last couple of years, they played under these rules. So th- this isn't something brand new to them, uh, but it certainly is to uh, to guys that haven't played in the minor leagues lately, and obviously to uh, you know the media and fans and everything if they haven't been to a, a minor league game in the last couple of years. Um, I'm happy with the changes. I don't know, you know, I'm not privy to what, uh, the umpires were told at their annual meeting and how to, uh, administer this stuff and, and the mechanics of it and all that stuff. I will learn more, uh, this weekend as I, uh, see some of the guys and talk to them, but, um, it's doing what it's supposed to do. And I, and, and I think once everybody gets uh, used to this, they, they see, you know, it seems a little harsh right now because it's brand new. We've seen games end on a violation here or a double play wiped out because of a violation there or whatever. Uh, and that can be a little frustrating, but it also shows, you know, this is what's happening and this is how it's going to be enforced. 
And uh, I think once everybody kind of gets through that uh, period and, and, and figures it all out, um, I think it's going to be good for the game. So is there any rule change that either didn't get passed or something that maybe a lot of these players aren't thinking about that maybe you would want to see to help improve the game? Or is there something that you wish they could change back to maybe when you started umpiring? Uh, well, obviously the rule, uh, you know, you, you can't uh, uh, question a decision by an umpire. It would be a wonderful rule. <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen uh, anytime soon. You know, um, these – you know, game times have, have, have just gotten worse and worse. I, my first year in 1986, I think the average game time in the major leagues was like 245 or something. It, it got all the way up to 307 or 310, somewhere in there. Um, and, and, it was, and that's just the average. That's not even counting extra inning games. That's just average nine inning games. Um, you know, I, I, I remember working eight and a half inning games. We, did, we didn't even play the bottom of the ninth right. and, uh, you know, three hours and 57 minutes or something. And, and, and uh, you know, it's, uh, it's just a long time. Now, purists, I understand they say, Hey, there's no clock in baseball. By God, there should never be a clock in baseball. And, and I get that, but you know, the bottom line is guys, uh, the, uh, you know, cultivating new fans, uh, new fans of baseball, you have to understand the times and, a lot of people, uh, uh, you know, now the young fans, this is all they do is look at this, <laughs> sure. look at this doggone phone. Uh, and the attention span isn't quite there, right? Uh, like it, like, like it used to be, or, or certainly like a, a purist in baseball. And to cultivate those fans, you're going to have to have a game that's got some action. That's why the bases are bigger. That's why uh, the, uh, the pitcher uh, can only uh, disengage or throw over two times the third time. If he doesn't uh, pick somebody off, it's going to be an advancement of a base. They, they want uh, steal attempts. They want uh, on the shift. They, they want base hits. They want action. Uh, the last few years, basically, the game has been home runs and uh, and strikeouts. I mean, that's <laughs> simplifying it, but it but it just hasn't been the action that you see. I mean, how many times have you seen a couple of hit and runs and uh, and a and stolen bases and stuff? Uh, you know, prior to this year, in the last couple of years, you just don't see it much anymore. Mm. Um, so uh, you know, manufacturing runs, you don't see that much anymore. It seems like it's just all you know, launch angles and <laughs> get hit and, <laughs> and everything. So so I think these things again, it takes time. It takes time for people to adjust to it. It takes time for people to understand them. But I think, again, I think these are good changes. I think we've already seen uh, some positive results, frankly, uh, uh, besides the, some of the negative stuff we've seen. And, uh, and, and I think it's going to be, I think it's just going to be good for the game. We are talking to 30-year, 33-year ex-MLB umpire Dale Scott. Dale, the DH uh, has been added to the National League. A lot of people, a lot of players have complained about it. Bryce Harper last year was complaining about it all season long. And then with his elbow injury, his injury that could have cost him the season, he actually was the DH for uh, the Philadelphia Phillies. And one of the main reasons why Philadelphia made it to the World Series, if D, the DH wasn't implicated into uh, the the playoffs last year. Uh, he doesn't play in the playoffs. So, and he, now all of a sudden he comes back and he says, "Hey, maybe the DH is important. It, it's a good move for the MLB to add that in the National League." What are your thoughts to the DH being added to the National League? Do you like it or do you not like it? Well, I can tell you guys. Uh... I've kind of evolved on this a little bit. Uh, you know, I came up in the American League before they combined leagues in 2000. And uh, we co continuously in the 80s and the 90s had much longer uh, average game times than the National League. And it's, you know, for obvious reasons, uh, it was the same game except for one rule, basically. And that was the DH. And, and uh, I, you know, 
the American League was all about offense, basically, and the National League was much more a pitching and defense type of league. And, you know, you look at the last three uh, hitters in a lineup, uh, you had, uh, you know, a couple of weaker hitters and a pitcher, or you had uh, uh, maybe maybe a couple of weakers on the, uh, weaker hitters on the American League uh, side. But, you know, it, it, was a, it was just a different uh, way to set up a, a, a roster. And, and, it, and, and, you know, it was just longer games, more runs uh, and that kind of thing. I remember when we first worked in 2000, uh, I was working with Tim Welke, who was the crew chief, and we opened in Toronto. And then we went to Montreal. And it was the first time we were playing, uh, you know, we we're now major league umpires and not American or National League. And San Diego was there. And I had the plate. It was my second plate job of the, of the season. And I think be- between the two teams, there were three or four sacrifice <laughs> bunts by by the pitcher. And I remember coming off the off the field. And I said, Timmy, my goodness. I said they tried to get out. They they actually wanted to be put out, you know, which was so uh, different from the American League because you just didn't see sacrifice bunts that much in the American League. It was just a, a different thing. So, um, I, you know, I kind of enjoyed the fact that they didn't have a DH. And I kind of enjoyed the fact that the pitchers hit and, and the strategies that are involved with that. Um, but as we've uh, progressed, I don't know of any league until uh, until this year. Uh, I think the National League was the only league in, in the world that uh, didn't have a DH. Uh, uh, there's a DH, as far as I know, in, in practically every every league around the world. So, um, I, you know, I think it makes sense. The, the thing that it makes sense about, too, is, is, is just the fact that with pitchers, you know, you know, pitchers used to go you know, throw 125 pitches and, and, and pitch a game. Now, you know, there are pitch counts. There's, there's all this stuff. You can, you can argue if that's good or bad or whatever, but the fact of the matter is if you're not having them come up to bat, if you're not having them running the bases um, it's probably a, you know, a, a better thing uh, for the game in the long run and, and for the health of the game to keep, uh, uh, you know, pitchers that, uh, you know, healthy, frankly, and not uh, trying to do something that they were really terrible at doing anyway. So, um, so, you know, I'm okay with it. So uh, I'm a Mets fan, and they just brought in uh, Justin Verlander, who uh, you have a little uh, inadvertent history with. You were the first base umpire for one no-hitter and a third base umpire for another no-hitter in his career. So what were those experiences like, and did you have any interactions with him face-to-face when you were um, umpiring those games? Uh, not in those games, you know, uh, uh, it just so happened. I was on the basis for his two, two no hitters. And, uh, you know, it's one of those things he's probably thinking, well, I'd, at that point, after the second one, he probably wanted to be on the basis for all his, all his starts <laughs> just to keep that up. Um, but, you know, during the game, you, you know, it, it, I mean, you don't have much interaction with them at all. I mean, you usually wouldn't anyway, but, uh, but you certainly aren't going to, uh, uh, you know, late in the ending, late in the game, uh, you know, say, hey, Justin, what's up? <laughs> Start a conversation or something with a guy that's uh, on the verge of throwing a no-hitter because, you know, what's the point? And, and certainly that's not my job to be a, a casual conversation with Justin. But it is, you know, you know umpires are v- very aware of what's happening and they uh, – um, you know, as you get deeper into the game, you, 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 you know, click that, uh, double focus light on or whatever. And, and, and just, you know, want, you don't want to be the guy that's calling a no catch, uh, you know, a catch, no catch that is a base hit now. And, you know, it, it, I mean, you miss it or if you know, poor Jimmy Joyce in that perfect yeah. game, you don't want to be the first base umpire to, to, you know, to miss a play at, at, at first or, or, or whatever. So everybody, the pressure's on, everybody knows what's going on. And you just want to focus and do your job and, and see what, uh, see what happens. 
We are talking to 33-year vet ex-MLB umpire Dale Scott. Dale, the World Baseball Classic. Everybody was looking forward to this. Team USA lost a big game uh, the other day against Mexico, but then came back against Canada, just completely demolished them 12 to 1. You got a chance to see Mike Trout, uh, you know, have his first big game for Team USA. What are your thoughts to the World Baseball Classic? And what do you think the chances are USA finally bringing home the gold uh, that we haven't seen in the last 15 years of this uh, unbelievable tournament? Well, there's, you know, there's some good teams uh, in this thing. Um, I'm certainly not a, uh, 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 an expert on, uh, you know, uh, 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 talent with players and, and, and figuring out rosters, because if I was, I wouldn't have umpired. I'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure, you know, the, I think the world baseball classic is a, is a very good, you know, excellent event. It, 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 it literally is, uh, bringing and help helping to bring baseball to, to all different uh, places in the world, different countries. I mean, some, they're obviously huge baseball places anyway, with the Dominican and, and Japan and those types, but uh, you know, other, other, other countries too, and, and developing the game. And I think that's nothing but good for the game of baseball. I was fortunate enough in uh, 2014 to be on the crew that opened in Australia when the uh, Diamondbacks and Dodgers played, uh, you know, uh, a couple exhibition games down there, but then two, the first two regular season games of that season and to see, uh, and met a lot of the umpires uh, in, in Australia that uh, we had a little, uh, a function and a luncheon and, and talked to them. And, uh, you know, they, they, they love the sport. They, they love learning. They love uh, their own Australian league. And, and, and it was just fun to see. Um, and there's nothing like, you know, a good day, ump, you know, I'm getting, <laughs> it just it seemed a little bit different, but uh, uh, so I think that WBC, Having that every few years, it really does generate interest around the world, and and I think it's just you know it's a good thing. Well, will, will the U.S. bring home the gold? I have no idea. You know they uh, they have the talent too, obviously. So we'll see what happens. So we, last time we had you on the show, we were talking about your famous uh, Billy Martin uh, battle <laughs> with him. So is there any other one a famous ejection, a inter- interaction with a manager or a player that uh, you had that maybe a lot of people don't know about? Well, uh, you know, there was Tom Kelly, a longtime manager with the Twins, very successful manager. Um, you know, he was a guy that uh, umpires loved him. He, he was very fair. Um, he would argue. I mean, you know, he got ejected. But he only he only got ejected five times in his 12 years or something managing uh, the Twins, which is incredible. Now, obviously, I was one of the five that got him. Uh, <laughs> was, you know, and I, the nicest guy in baseball. I get him, but uh, the, the one uh, situation that uh, I didn't eject him was uh, in Oakland uh, in the early '90s. Uh, he there was a uh, sacrifice bunt put out put down by Steve uh, Lambertozzi, one of his infielders, who had a perfect bunt. It was going to advance the runner from second to third, and, and, and he would be out at first for the first out. Well, he had a perfect bunt. Steinbach only had a play to first. That's all he could do. But unfortunately, Lambertozzi did not run in the running lane. Uh, in fact, he was not even close. And so when, when Steinbach threw it, uh, threw it down to first, it glanced off his shoulder, and I called interference, and he's out, and the runner has to go back. Uh, and so here comes Tom running out, and, and, and I'm kind of gearing up for a pretty good argument, you know, uh, managers and players hate interference calls because a lot of times they don't, they don't understand them. Um, so I, he comes out and, and, and I, and, and I said, uh, you know, Tom, he, he was out of the running. He goes, he goes, he goes, I know he was out of the running. Cause I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something, Dale. He goes, he puts down a perfect bunt. He puts down a perfect, perfect bunt. And what does he do? He can't run in the running lane. And what do you do, Dale? What do you do? You do your job and you call him out. Now, 
as he's doing this, he's gesturing and he's throwing his arms up and he's pointing and pointing. So it looks like he's chewing me a new one. Right. But I, when he starts saying that I start to you know smile and he goes, you can't laugh. You can't laugh. We're on the camera. You know? So I have my hand up like this uh, uh, as he's going off. So he goes, now I got to come out here and, and jump up and down and throw my arms around and, and look like an idiot all because my player can't go between this line and this line and run to that base. He goes, I can't believe it. This is stupid. And he runs off. Now, Again, the whole time, everybody thinks that, you know, I just, what, he just had his way with that umpire. Look at, you know, that was quite the uh, chewing out. And uh, the whole time, I'm trying not to laugh. And all he's doing is protecting his player and also maybe uh, trying to fire up his team a little bit. But uh, that was that was TK, and that was uh, that was one of those fun arguments, you, you can say. Dale, there are two specific voices of baseball that passed away this past these past two years. One, Vince Scully, very well respected, known for the Brooklyn Dodgers and the L.A. Dodgers, and Tim McCarver, another big name, all-star catcher, Hall of Famer. Tell us, uh, do you have any stories that you could remember uh, when you met Vince Scully or another that you, you've known, Tim McCarver, as an umpire? What, do you have any stories about those two particular people? I didn't have a lot of interaction with McCarver. I, I just uh, didn't butt in. What a gentleman. What a wonderful guy. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, one year, you know, we weren't sure when he was going to retire. And and so uh, my crew was in L.A. in April. It was uh, late April uh, Forget like 2012 maybe um but we uh had a day getaway game like a wednesday getaway game or something and so we had asked the night before we asked uh, had our clubhouse guy uh, make the arrangements if we could uh, before the game when we got to the stadium if we could meet vin in his in his booth and get a picture with him and he and of course the, the message came down absolutely when you guys get here you know come on by and so i got a great picture of uh, myself and my crew with with Vin uh, right there in his booth with, with, with the field and, you know, Dodger uh, uh, stadium in the background. Um, you know, he's just a, a super guy. When we were in Los Angeles, after, after the lineups were done and the, and the managers ran off or whatever, we'd always turn around and look up at, at, at Vin and, 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 you know, salute him. He would, he would be clapping, clapping for us. And then we'd give him the whole, you know, like <laughs> we're not worthy type of thing. Um, you know, there were certain announcers, uh, uh, Ernie Harwell uh, for the Tigers uh, was one, uh, Vin, and, um guys that you know if 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 things didn't uh, you know if we made a mistake out there or if we you know uh uh, it wasn't maybe, uh, or maybe we didn't make a mistake, but it wasn't the most popular call in the world, uh, or, or whatever. They had a great way of announcing that, um, and not just burying the umpire and saying, well, that yeah, was terrible. I can't believe he's looking you know, whatever. He just say, you know, well, there's a difference of opinion here by, uh, you know, uh, uh, played umpire Scott. And it looks like he's the one that's going to win that, uh, you know, opinion contest or something. <laughs> I mean, something just kind of, kind of to massage the situation without just, uh, uh, you know, burying a guy like, uh, like uh, some do. <laughs> uh, and we, you know, we always appreciated that. So in, throughout your career, is there any call, because a lot, baseball has a lot of rules that a lot of people don't know about. Is there any call that you're surprised you ever had to make at any point in your career? What would well, that be I mean, the game five of the, of the divisional series, Texas at Toronto when, uh, uh, in 19, in uh, 2015, oh. when, uh, Russell Martin throwing the ball back to the pitcher with two outs and a runner at third on a tie game. I remember top that. Of seventh. And uh, I mean, how many times has Russell Martin thrown the ball back to the pitcher? How many times <laughs> have I seen that uh, in my career yet? He just got a little lazy and uh, uh, Chin Su, Su, if I'm saying his name right, mm -hmm. uh, was the hitter uh, uh, just, you know, kind of doing his little routine after the pitch. And, and he certainly wasn't up over the, 
uh, played area. He was just there, but and he just got a little lazy. Martin did. He threw it. It went off the the the, the uh, bat a little bit, uh, and 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 you know scattered toward third base. Uh, they were in a shift. There was nobody even close to the ball, and here comes uh, uh, Odor to to score the go ahead run. And, and I mean, you know, uh, almost four thousand regular season games. I had never had that. I have never had that. <laughs> and, uh, uh, and it was, uh, it was, a you know, that whole game, that whole, that whole inning, that whole seventh inning was one of the most bizarre, uh, uh wildest, uh, innings I ever worked. Of course, Batista came up in the bottom of the seventh and had the, the, the shot heard round the Canada for sure. Right. And, uh, and, and uh, the uh, famous flip. And of course we had bench clearings and we had two ejections and we had a protest. I mean, we had all kinds of stuff, <laughs> but that, that was a rule that, uh, you know, it's there, but, uh, I, I saw it one time. We are talking to 33 year vet ex MLB umpire, Dale Scott, Dale, Aaron judge broke the, the home run record in the American league last year. It was a record that was held by Roger Maris. And a lot of people think that record was never broken because of maybe steroids, Barry Bonds and Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa and all that other stuff. Were you surprised that Aaron judge was the one to break it? Another Yankee breaking Roger Maris's record. And how surprised were you that he did it in that kind of fashion? Well, I, you know, I, I, I wasn't surprised. Um, I didn't have Aaron, you know, my last year was 2017 and I only worked five games that year because I got hurt early. So I didn't have judge a lot, uh, you know, when I was working, but, um, uh, you know, the guy, the guy is, he's a big dude and he's, and he's a talented dude. And, and, uh, so him, you know, him breaking it, uh, didn't, it didn't surprise me now that, you know, the Yankees holding that he broke a, you know, another Yankee held it before him. And, uh, uh, so maybe there's an investigation about the Yankees, or something about, but uh, uh, no, I wasn't surprised at all. And, and from what I can, uh, from what I hear, you know, I have, I don't know Aaron really, but uh, uh, from what I hear and the things I read and his interviews, he just seems like a, a really decent super guy. And so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really happy for him. So is there one park, I know you did a lot of American league parks more than national league in your career, but is there any one park that you enjoyed umpiring the most and the least? Well, Tampa is a lot of fun. Uh, and when you have the least column, um, you know, I call that the uh, arena baseball um, where, you know, an arena football, it can go off a net or something. You keep playing. Well, same, same kind of thing up with all these rings. Uh, it's just a tough uh, venue really. And, and they, it really needs to be changed quite frankly. Um, there are a lot of good, you know, a lot of parks. I mean, there, there, there's historic parks that I worked in Fenway, Wrigley, uh, you know, Dodger stadium um, that, you know, just the history in them are unbelievable. There's, there's newer parks. I, I think Pittsburgh's one of the most beautiful parks in the big leagues, uh, the setting there and the, and the way it's, uh, set up, but we have some, you know, I had, I had, I was fortunate to just see a ton of new ballparks. I worked the last game in Baltimore uh, Memorial stadium. I worked the last game in the Rangers rector set, not the, not, not the park they just left, but the one before that. And, uh, you know, it, I think Cleveland's got a beautiful ballpark and it's, uh, it's 30 years old now. So there's a lot of great, uh, ballparks out there. And, 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 uh, and even some, you know, even, some, you know, Dodger stadium or even Kansas, Kansas city, which was built, I don't know, uh, 50 years ago. It's, it's a beautiful, it, you wouldn't know it was 50 years old. I mean, walking in there, it's, it's uh, such a great sight lines and, and, and lines to the stadium. So there's a lot of, there's a lot of uh, great ballparks, uh, you know, 
people get, get a chance to uh, see other stadiums than, than where they're from or where they live, uh, uh, certainly would recommend it because it's, it's really cool to see the differences and, and, and all the different uh, quirkiness of some of them. And it's just it's fun to do. Dale, last question for me. I know you're a busy guy. I know you're flying to Phoenix and going <laughs> to enjoy your time over there. But uh, you look at all the crazy things that have happened in baseball, uh, you as an umpire, what was the funniest blooper you've ever seen on a baseball field, one? And who's the funniest player you've ever dealt with on a field, on a baseball field? Uh, well, uh, Kevin Millar's a little goofy um, <laughs> on the field. He, he, uh, he, you know, what you see on camera is what you see on the field. I mean, he was... Uh, a little out there, um, uh, craziest blooper. Gosh, um, yeah, you uh, put me on the spot. I mean, I've seen them. I've seen them. I've seen many bloopers. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, I remember, uh, uh, Rob Deere, uh, outfielder for Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, I had Rob a little bit in, in the minor leagues also, but, uh, he was playing right field at old County stadium and he went, he, it was a pop, you know, fly ball right field it was ended up you know foul ground right near the the uh the uh seats he went a long way to get there and rob was a big dude and and maybe not the fastest guy in the world but he was he was moving and uh and he he like got there just in time and 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 after that whole effort uh um you know the ball like went off his glove and and he hit the railing it went flying into the seats and uh, and the ball went flying it was a foul you know it ended up being a foul ball <laughs> so after i mean it just you know there was stuff flying and, and it was pretty it was pretty funny so i about the next half anyone just came out i said uh, like those old john deere commercials i said uh, you know, Rob, they, I think it's I think it's true what they say. There, nothing runs like a deer. <laughs> he started laughing and said, "Yeah, well, that was quite an exhibition, wasn't it? Yeah, it really was." But uh, yeah, you know, when you work almost four thousand regular season games, uh, you see things, uh, uh, you know, funny things, uh, stupid things, weird things. Um, it's really quite something, and you can find out about it in the book. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> My last question: I, I know you're a big uh, college guy, obviously. Uh, Oregon, uh, big Oregon Ducks fan. Football had a pretty good season, but fell apart late, and then basketball didn't quite make it this uh, this time. But uh, do you do? Did you do a marked back madness bracket? And if so, uh, did you have a national championship pick? Uh, do, do I, I'm sorry, what, I didn't miss. Did a, you? Do you have a national championship pick in college basketball? March Madness right around the corner. Tomorrow. Oh, um, well, you know. Uh, I think uh, well, let's let's face it. Uh, Alabama's good. Uh, I think they're really. You know, this year has been weird though because yeah. there's been a lot of number ones. Uh, guys uh, or teams get to get to that position and then they then they lose the next week or whatever. I think uh, Bama's. You know, a, a sleeper might be uh, um, Arizona. I mean, they've been inconsistent, but I, I you know, just being out west, I've I've seen them play and and you know they certainly have the talent as does uh, UCLA. Um, We'll see what happens. I, I, I certainly hope uh, whoever wins, it's, uh, of course, uh, I have a bracket, uh, not a <laughs> traditional bracket. It's a, uh, it's almost like squares in the, oh. that you do on, on scores. So, um, so at this point, I'm just hoping that uh, my numbers come up. <laughs> it's going to be nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, so it, it, I mean, Mark, this, how much fun are we going to have here in the next, uh, the next few weeks? It's going to be fun. It's, it, it's just insane. Errol's not too optimistic about his team. No, sure. I'm a Duke Blue Devil fan, and I'm not a <laughs> well, big uh, fan yeah, of the new you know, coach. I mean, they, they, they're coming on strongly, right? Yeah, they're playing good, but uh, I don't trust the coach, and uh, <laughs> that's just uh, Shire. I'm not a Shire fan, but that's just my opinion. Before we let you go, why don't you promote and let the fans know how they can find your book? 
Well, uh, the the uh, audio book just came out. Uh-huh. Uh, I narrated it uh, in December. Oh, awesome. uh, it was just released on February 28th. Um, so it's out there. If, uh, a lot of people, uh, when the book came out last year, said, well, is there an audio book? Because I just don't have time to read, but I listen all the time, you know, in the car, running around. So uh, that's out. Uh, you can go to umpiredalescott.com. Uh, that has all the information on where you can order and stuff. But obviously, Amazon for either the hardcover book or the... Uh, uh, Amazon slash Audible for the uh, uh, audio uh, audiobook is is uh, available, and uh, you know things have been going well. The feedback's been good. I, I don't know uh, if you guys read it, but uh, I would love to know your uh, I'm going thoughts to. on it. If you do, yeah, I'm I, the audiobook is much easier for me, especially when I'm on the road. So uh, I'm definitely going to check it out. I'll download it. But uh, we really appreciate you, man. I know you're a busy guy and you're flying to Phoenix, uh, <laughs> but uh, enjoy your uh, retirement. And uh, good luck, and we'll, we'll get you on very, very soon. We love you, and, and keep up the good work, my friend. Well, I, I appreciate it. Anytime, guys, just get a hold of me and, uh, you know, let's uh, have some fun. Some March Madness coming up. we got the opening day coming up. It That's should right. be a, It's a good time for everybody. There you go, Dale. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, guys. Dale Scott, ladies and gentlemen, 33-year vet, MLB ex-umpire, fantastic personality, good guy, flying to Phoenix, enjoying uh, – his time with his buddies uh, as uh, baseball's right around the corner uh, for the Yankees and the Mets. World Baseball Classic is almost done already. It's crazy. We were talking about it for the last year, year and a half, and now the World Baseball Classic is going to be over probably in the next week, week and a half. So it's crazy. It goes fast. Mm-hmm. All right, guys. Uh, when we come back, we're going to have him on. We will be talking to former Patriots defensive end Jarvis Green, our friend, Jarvis Green. The last time we had Jarvis on the on the show, he was hanging out in a taxi uh, interviewing with us. Uh, now we're going to have him in his house, and he's going to be ready to go. Mr. L- Mr. Green will be joining us when we come back here on the Sports Loudmouths. You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the Sports Loudmouths. Six three one six seven two thirty one zero eight. You are listening to the Sports Loud Mouths. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Check out all our shows, all the talent. Uh, as far as the analysts that we have on our network, they're live and in color throughout the week. If you want to interact with us, you can check us out. You can check our emails. You can reach out to us if, if you have any questions throughout our shows throughout the week. You listen to, to the Sports Loudmouths, which airs every single Wednesdays, which is tonight at 7 p.m. and Thursdays at 9 p.m. Great show. As we move forward, uh, we just had our uh, a good friend and a guy that is very well respected around the baseball world, uh, Dale Scott, 33-year vet, ex-MLB uh, umpire. And now, ladies and gentlemen, our guest, our second guest of the night. Finally, he's on. We're happy to have him on. We're now talking to former Patriots defensive end, Jarvis Green. Jarvis, what's up, bud? Hey, guys. What's going on? How y'all doing tonight? You're looking good, man. I mean, you're no longer in a taxi. Oh, look at you flexing, man. You're looking healthy, man. Yeah, man. The Peloton got me going. <laughs> but of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I tell you this. The, you, you look like you lost some weight, man. I did. A little bit. 
There you go, man. Uh, we have a lot to get into, especially the last time we spoke to you. Uh, the AFC East is now the AFC Beasts. So uh, we will get into that in just a few moments. Before we get into it, uh, how are you and your family doing from COVID-19? I mean, everybody's doing pretty good. Uh, COVID is over, man. Mm-hmm. Come on. You know, so uh, it, it's just funny when you see people still wear their mask and they got a few people that got, you know, triple boosters and i mean it's 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 been a crazy time right from 2020 to Mm -hmm. 2021 um but everybody's good everybody's breathing everybody's alive that was a tough time for everybody i tell you that Mm -hmm. jarvis the last time we had you on the show we were speaking uh, about tom brady winning his uh seventh super bowl uh as you know him very very well you played with him in new england uh, he retires, then he comes out of retirement, he comes back. Uh, he had a good season, but the team absolutely stunk. And now he's done. He's he's done with football. Some people said he was going to come back and play for Miami. Do you believe that Tom Brady is officially done? He's never coming back. I don't believe that. I mean, until he could come back and pass up all the deadlines, because, you know, we got different stimulation, stipulations and rules on what's the latest he could come back. But I think if he's in shape mentally, physically, I think someone would take a chance on him. And he's just not done yet, man. I think he still in, he still has it in his spirit. And especially after we all know that he got divorced. Mm. And you hear all the rumors about it was more about Giselle wanting him to be done with football. But then Tom was like, I'm on the top of my game still. Like, why should I go home and do what? You know, mm. go home and babysit, go play golf all day. I mean, he's going to have his life with the football there. So I think as long as he could keep playing and stay healthy, uh, he may have a chance to come back. So are there any signs towards the end of your Patriots career that Tom Brady was saying, oh, I'm going to play until this long? Because he was saying 45 for a while. Were there any signs and anything that maybe he did specifically when you were there? He good. He did everything right. You know, I mean, when he wrote that little book, that was after I left, you know, but a lot of guys crack jokes and say, that book is more for publicity and marketing. He eats like everybody else. He, he just always been, been, been you know, um, trained well. Um, he respect the game, respect his body. He, he took care of himself 24-7. He always had his guy on, on a, what, what's his guy name? I forgot his guy name. Gronk? Alex was his right-hand guy. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Oh, the trainer, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Trainer, yeah. So everywhere he went, Alex was working on him. I mean, Alex worked on me a couple of times my, my last few years. He was amazing. He was like King Midas. Every time he touched, <laughs> turned to gold. Brady could do what he want, man. He's the guy. He's the GOAT. He's better than most of the quarterbacks in the league right now at his age. He had a great season last year. Nobody's going to question him. He threw over 4,000 no. yards. Uh, he still, he, he, if he still has it in him, he could still get on the field and play. There's no question. But you know but you know the, the funny thing we say that? It's like, um, you remember, um, what's the name? Steve Lynch? He yes. Said, the GM for the Broncos. John right? John Lynch, uh, the GM for the San Francisco 49ers. Okay. So I remember he came to New England, and he came to try out. And he was there for a little offseason, looked great, strong, physical. I think he was like in his 14th year. We got to training camp, looked great. Like one day, like he bust a tire. He turned into like the 15-year vet. John Lynch, Super Bowl this, free safety, safety. He turned into like, he could barely run. Hmm. 
I don't know what happened, but then we just like, oh, he, he done, he blew a tire. It happened just like that in training camp. So you never know. Again, I think that, that happened to a lot of guys. You know, you can see that that's like when you hit the wall, right? Mm-hmm. Or you just done. So it happens to us. I mean, we it's, we're, we're not robots. We're human beings. So I think when our bodies say it's over, it's over. So we've seen a lot of rule changes happen, especially in, for the offensive side of the ball to make it a higher scoring game. The quarterbacks, all the receivers, they're getting all these rule benefits. You as a defensive player, what do you think about a lot of these rule changes, especially the roughing the passer, which you as a defensive lineman must have thought of was especially bad this year? Yeah, I was talking to some people yesterday. I went and watched a baseball game, LSU and UNO and Baton Rouge, and we was talking about um, the, the game. I mean, how 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 – it's like playing flag football, you know, and then somebody say, what would you what would you have done when you was playing at that time? I think more guys get injured if you're on the defense because you got to get yourself all fixed up to approach the quarterback, and then you got to react to what he's going to do, you know, and if you do something crazy, hit him in the face, that's a fine. You hit him too low, that's a fine. You know, you hit him in the chest straight ahead, that's a fine. You hit his arm, that's a fine. So all these guys are playing you know, on a – on eggshells. And back when I played, even before, guys ran through the quarterback. I mean, the quarterback knew he was going to take hits all day. And now you can see most quarterbacks, they barely get touched during the game. You know, so it also kind of says that they're going to have a lot of longevity with these quarterbacks. And I understand that they're the breadwinners. They make all the money. But still, we have, you know, 22 guys on the field at a time. It's a rough sport. It's football. It's a gladiator sport that's turned into power puff. We are talking to former Patriots defensive end Jarvis Green. Jarvis, the AFC East is now growing. I mean, Miami adds uh, Ramsey. Uh, Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the league. Some people say still the best uh, with uh, Howard over there. I've argued over the last two years that Howard and him were the best corners in football at one point. The now, irony. <laughs> now they're both playing on the same team. And then the Jets, obviously having Sauce Gardner, the young, the youth that they have over there, and DJ Reed. I mean, they have a fanta- fantastic corner uh, duo as well. Uh, yeah, the Patriots o- always find a way to find corners. But yeah. uh, And then, obviously, the Buffalo Bills. When you look at the AFC East now with the you know all these teams, the Buffalo Bills with obviously uh, a fantastic young quarterback over there and uh, two over there if he stays healthy. The Patriots have Mac Jones. Some people question that. And now Aaron Rodgers could be heading to the New York Jets. What are your thoughts? The the superpower of the AFC East is now than it wasn't when you played. I mean, will Aaron is Aaron Rodgers? Is that a guarantee? Or are they still? He pretty much said today that uh, he wants to play for the Jets, that all the Jets have to do is negotiate the deal with the Green Bay Packers. He's going nowhere else. Uh, he's not retiring. He's not going back to Green Bay. So it's just Jets. So, yeah, it's it's pretty much a done, a done g- deal. The Jets just have to figure out what the compensation is going to be. What do you think, too? You think he probably want to be close to the city of New York? I mean, it's a big market as well. I, I don't know. I don't know if Aaron Rodgers wanted to go to a big market. I think the Jets showed a lot more interest. I think the Jets have the most young talent out of all the teams that were, you know, pitching for him. I mean, the Raiders, Raiders don't really have a good defensive team. They they really don't have much depth. The Jets had one of the top five defenses in the league in almost every single statistic. Uh, the Jets have the the offensive rookie of the year. They had two offensive rookie of the years because if Brees Hall wasn't hurt, he probably wins the offensive rookie of the year. And That's the runner-up right. is Garrett uh, Wilson. So, 
And uh, with the young talent that the Jets have, I think it makes a lot of sense why the Jets would be very interesting for Rodgers to go and play over there. So I don't think it was being that it was the city of New York he wanted to. But I think uh, the thought that he could bring a championship home to New York that they haven't won in 53 years, that states uh, a lot. And it's he's a big deal. Yeah, it is. It's a big deal. And, I mean, again, like you said, the AFC East is a, it's, it's a tough division. You know, even when, when I was there, people kind of talked bad about it like we weren't that great. But when it was time in the playoffs, you know, we, we beat up a lot of different teams. You know, but now you have, uh, I think, the, the strength of the, the the overall teams across the board. I mean, it's going to be some great football in the NFC East. I'm sorry, in the AFC East this year if, if uh, Rodgers get to Green Bay. But, I mean, I, I love – I'm sorry if Rodgers get to the Jets. I mm-hmm. love the Jets, man. I mean, I've been watching Keeping Up with Sauce Gardner. I mean, he's phenomenal the way he's been playing, but I'm also a big fan of uh, – of Allen and Buffalo. Mm-hmm. I mean, I thought Buffalo was going to make it to the Super Bowl this year, man. It's just so did I. Yeah, close games. But they show up. I mean, I love New England, my team. I know we're having some problems with Macaroni Jones. He's not <laughs> consistent at all. So, uh, I think I think at some point, sometimes for him, he seems like he's going to be a head case. Hmm. That's what I worry about with, with, with Macaroni Jones. Cause, I mean, at times he looked great, you know, and then other times he looks like the worst quarterback in the league. And you know, Tua, I don't know how Tua is still on a football field, period. But he's a tough guy. Well, we were talking about CTA. We were talking about concussions and everything. You know a lot about that after watching what happened to him last year. I'm very surprised he's still still on a football field. But you know what? He's a tough cookie. If he has another one of those concussions next year, I think he's done. I I, I just can't see it. um, Unpack his shit and go home. Don't come back. (laughs) I love that. I love the nickname for Mac Jones, Macaroni Jones. Just don't tell Matt Judon because apparently he doesn't like macaroni and cheese, and he he's very talked down about it. Who doesn't like macaroni and cheese, right? Come on. <laughs> oh, apparently not Matt Judon. He calls it the most overrated thing. Yeah, we, yeah. I remember. I saw it. I laughed about that. I know. Um, he he had a good year last year too, huh? Judon. He he, he mm-hmm. did he get to oh, what eighteen, nineteen sacks? I think he was close to he was it. right Bo- there. Nick yeah. Bosa got to 18 and a half sacks. I think he was just f- a little bit behind. I want to say he got 16 and a half sacks. He oh. was a finalist for defensive player of the year, but Bosa won it. And then Micah Parsons was second. Wow. Yeah. That's three good guys right there, man. Mm-hmm. Coming at you. Definitely. But Judon did lead the league in sacks for much of the season. I think Bosa only yeah. surpassed him only like week 13 or something like that. Mm. Uh, he had, yeah, he finished with 15 and a half sacks and two forced fumbles, 36 overall tackles. Well, okay. this year. So, uh, so my question, like you were saying, we were talking about the injuries, and one of them was uh, a freak accident was Demar Hamlin this year. We were talking about the Bills and uh, Demar Hamlin. A lot of people thought he wasn't going to make it, and a lot of people were also talking about the NFL players with guaranteed money. They should be able to get that up. And now we're seeing with guys like Lamar Jackson trying to push for more guaranteed money. Do you think the NFL has to change that kind of structure, either for the current players trying to get more guaranteed money, and also the, for, for the former players as well trying to get benefits later? I mean, well, I mean, well, the, you're saying former players getting benefits? Yes. I'm the former guy. I mean, it's a lot different, man, because, like, I know y'all mentioned something about some of the guys saying, you know, the NFL is fixed. And at times when you're done playing, you know, they don't treat you the same way. And I, and I guess you could say we have, like, a Cobra plan when I was playing. So I'm not sure how it is now when a guy retires. But, I, I mean, we have our health insurance and we have our medical. We have severance and different things that kicks in at different times once we retire. Uh, but 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 the league has changed so much now, man. I mean, just like they, they, just like they don't 
want all the concussions and they got the they got the protocols up that's great but then say you have a guy that got three or four concussions and he missed games but then now he misses his chance to get a bonus and a lot of times these guys are gonna be like they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna lie they won't always be truthful because they want to be in the game to get those reps you know because some of those guys go you know miss 50 grand 100 grand 500 a million dollars two million dollars uh, and it's so bad, I mean, now, because, the, number one, the game is so sensitive now. It's like flag football, but then you still have all of these concussion preventions and, and the hits and the contacts and, and just the way it's set up. I, I don't know what is right or what is wrong. We are talking to former Patriots defensive end Jarvis Green. Jarvis, you look at the quarterbacks and, and some of these quarterbacks, Aaron Rodgers making $50 million last year. Uh, we could see the first $100 million player in the next, I would say, seven, eight years. It's it's absolutely crazy amount of money that is brought to the league, maybe with the TV deals and all that other stuff. Do you think that these quarterbacks are overpaid? Do you do you feel like some of that money should be div- divided out to some of the other players that don't get the credit at the position that they play? I definitely think so now. At one point, I was all for it, you know, but now it's getting to the point it's crazy. You got a quarterback that played four years, you know, get a four-year deal for 140. I mean, when I played, I made about 19, 19.5 for nine years. Mm-hmm. When I played, I look at these guys now, I'm like, they're doing that one season? <laughs> you know, so it, it's amazing. Then you watch some of the guys that are playing. I mean, for the guys who's making crazy stats, who's, who's all rural, you know, all pro, that's one thing, you know, but I think the quarterbacks, I mean, that's, who who was it I just saw? Um, Joe Burrow, he might get, what, $56 million a year? Yeah, I, I mean, right now, Aaron Rodgers is the highest paid quarterback. Last year, I think he made over, a little bit over $50 million. Yeah. Uh, Josh Allen made 43 I think, last year. Josh Allen, I think, was 40, it was 43 last year, but his average is ahead of Mahomes now. His is like 47, and then yeah. Mahomes yeah. is 45. I, I mean... mean I mean, to me, it's like they do some type of twenty percent curve, and take twenty percent off top, and just from the, from the quarterbacks, and, sh- and sprinkle it out to the rest of the players, man. Even the special team guy. But what about the guy that plays hard for two years? He's a rookie sensation, mm-hmm. make the Pro Bowl. Second year, go hard, and he blow his knee out. He don't get any compensation, no retirement. All they're gonna do is pay for his surgery, his rehab, and he's done. I mean, what about those guys? You know, I mean, they they signed. I know we all signed up for football. We understand the consequences and the repercussions of it. But at the same time, it's a sport, and it's not like us going behind a desk to go write and do and do book work or paperwork. You know, this is and look, we're not at war. We don't have flying bullets going by us left and right. But you know, just the demeanor of our healthcare, the life after the game. You know, and we sacrifice so much for our bodies. And, you know, it's for the owners. The owners are making out stinking rich. I mean, we see what these guys bought teams for, and 20 years later, these teams has increased tremendously. And at the same time, you know, we still sit there fighting over who should have this or who should have that. And, yeah, I love the fact that the the, um, the salaries are what they are, but they need to have something. Because right now, to me, it's like the rich guys, the separation from the big players to the small players. Mm. It's it's like reality. It's like the life we live in. You know, the income gap. Try to bring it back closer. That it can be better for everybody across the board. 
Yeah, also a big positional discrepancy, too, as well. Like, pass rushers and corners on the defensive side, and it's only quarterbacks and receivers really getting paid on the offensive side. You're not getting sure. crazy. I mean, how many, how many O-linemen are making 25 a year? Probably only premier left tackles, and there's probably like two of them. Well, what the centers are making, full five million average? I think I think the best ones are getting in the in the like mid teens, but that's only the best ones, and the rest are really interior offensive linemen it, barely get anything. It drops off big time, right? Mm-hmm. It, yeah. I think a lot of positions are like that. Uh, running backs now are barely getting paid anything ever since uh, the Ezekiel Elliott contract. Linebackers, even linebackers, Roquan Smith got a big deal in Fred Warner, but there's not many of them that get paid. Like, well, Gurley got a big contract too. Yeah, Gurley did so. You're right. Yeah, but like even so, like safeties. Look, look, look at safeties. Like they're they're barely getting paid much of anything. Like, Minka Fitzpatrick just got the highest paid safety contract. And I think he only got 17. Like compared to a receiver, that's probably like the 20th receiver contract. At this point. You know, you know what? That's true. And then you have Erica Store. I watched this guy play for the Jets back in the day. He came in right when I was kind of leaving out. He had two great, pitiful, average years. Uh, fumble here, fumble there, interception there. He couldn't just get it. He disappears out on the West Coast. And this one guy gets traded to Denver. And I'm like, I'm like, is that Geno James? <laughs> like, I'm like, is that guy still playing? We watching the game. We're like, Google, Google. Wait, wait, he's playing. And you hear about him there. And for me, I'm happy because he's like the Cinderella. He's a unicorn. Mm. You know, for guys like me. And then I go look at his stats. And I saw he got a four-year, $140 million deal. I'm cheering doing backflips. Because for me, being an African-American, to and you see a lot of the guys in the backups, you know. And then to me, I say, you don't see enough of us even being backups. And that's a good job you go 15 years being a backup quarterback, especially when you got your annuities and your pension. But then you see Geno James, but you see his stats. And what and for the team, they went, what, nine and eight? Yep, mm-hmm. last playoff he, spot. And he, yeah, and he went to the Pro Bowl. He had a great, great season. So those type of stories for me, that's what I'm cheering for. I mean, he's been an underdog his whole career. Uh, one of our fans actually has a question. Uh, Jeff asks, uh, Richard Seymour is now a big poker player. Did you ever get into a card game with him on the team plane? You know what? Um, I love Richard. I was at, I missed his Hall of Fame. I know we talked about it. I couldn't get up there, but I did go mm-hmm. to his Hall of Fame at uh, Gillette Stadium. And look, these guys, okay, so, so we all sat to the back of the plane, and I could just, I could just, I could just, Give you like a nice memory, a picture, a memory of what, what you saw. I sat in one row. Brady sat behind me. I sat like we had a two-three-two. Two. I had the middle row. Tom sat behind me. Myself, Rabel's in front of me. Randy Moss was behind me. Willie McGinnis behind me. Richard Seymour behind me. Um, they had a few other guys. So usually when they have the poker games, it's like the middle seats, two rows occupied, and then they call a rookie to come and break the seat. Every week, rookie, he come back there, and the rookie don't know. He think he's doing something bad, and, you know, all the guys say, he'll come out your check. Just do it. This is part of being on the Patriots. He, and it's, you can break the seat easy. Just just force it down, and then they're playing cards the entire time on the plane. And I remember seeing Seymour there. They always were playing poker. I just never thought I would see him playing professional poker now after all the games on the plane because every game we – if it wasn't a, a short flight, they played poker all the time. And I can remember sometimes we had some crazy games going on. They loud back there. They slamming stuff. They talking like they're in the street rolling dice 
on the plane. <laughs> and, and then Belichick comes in the next week. He's like, guys, look, guys, rookies, rookies, just stay the fuck back from my, from Barrett, please. <laughs> you have rookie money. These guys, you know, pro bowlers, seasoned vets, they're going to run you out of the fucking game. You know, so just be smart. Stay in front of the plane. No rookies. But you always saw one rookie snooping around. Want to see what's going on, but uh, that was a that was a traditional thing on the plane, poker, and Big Seymour was right there in the middle of it. We are talking to former Patriots defensive end Jarvis Green. Jarvis, funniest player you've ever played with, and tell us a funny story that you have about that particular player. Funniest player, I can name a few, but I could tell you about Mike Vrabel. I mean, Mike Vrabel we played the three four defense. He was on the outside of me, and uh, we always talked. We communicated. We had to understand, you know, what was going on. We didn't really have to talk much, but we just had understanding when we, re- when we read the blocks and see what the offensive guys were doing. Rainbow was funny because he was always the guy to judge um, Belichick. When Coach had something to say, he would always go against him or, or try to, you know, like out-coach him or outsmart him, you know. So it's funny that. We saw that, you know, we saw him playing different positions, you know, from DB, cornerback, D lineman with hand and dirt, linebacker, catching balls on the tight end, you know, position, blocking. But Mike Vrabel was always a funny guy. He'd keep you laughing, and he was always good to be around. All right. A fun fact about Bill Belichick that the fans or anyone else would not know. He's got a bunch of them, I'm sure. <laughs> a fun fact? Yes. Um, I know when, when I was my younger years, but if you're walking in the hallway and he is walking, y'all walking down the same path, he may see you, but he won't acknowledge you. He'll keep walking. He won't move. <laughs> you know, like, what, what's the thing with the car, chicken? Yeah. He would do that. You always catch yourself sidestepping. He just walk right through. He don't say nothing. He don't speak to you in the hallway. You have to like, hey, coach, what's up? Coach, Bill. And then he'll put his head up. But if you don't say nothing, he keeps his head down and he keeps going. But also don't believe when he said, when he talks about, you know, uh, when he talks about um, the IG. You know how sometimes he messes up the, the social media names? Mm-hmm. Snap face. He knows what's going on. He reads everything. I mean, every, 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 you know, Sunday or Monday, he's up on the elliptical machine and he has books and books and papers and papers of what happened in the last week media just to keep us updated, you know, because that was part of our life skills. Every day we walk in there, you know, we have 188 duty days and Bill, every morning he has something to say. Jarvis, we have one of the biggest pain in the butt Patriot fans and, there's quite a few that listens to this show throughout the country. Yeah. Uh, he, he he posted up on Facebook, being an LSU guy, did you naturally hate Belichick uh, for drafting Alabama guys? No, I didn't. I didn't even care about that because when I was there, you know, we called ourselves LSU North. <laughs> we had five or six guys. And at the time, Alabama wasn't that great. You know, I mean, LSU was LSU would give LSU. Alabama, you know, the game of their life every season. But um, we didn't look at that way. We look at it more like the Alabama guys that used to come in the league in the beginning. They didn't last long, a lot of the guys. I mean, they're better now, 
but you know, I mean, that's that's just the way it was because that's one thing we we, we um, compete about. You know, once you make it to the league, we want to see who has the most guys uh, on NFL teams. And LSU used to run it a lot, and then we just go at it, and it's it's fun, man. When we see Alabama guy, we try to go out there and hit him hard, you know, in practice. <laughs> I, think, I think when you were drafted, Saban was still at LSU too before he before he moved to Alabama. Yeah, because when he was at LSU, man, I always used to come back. I used to go. I always used to go see him. We always used to talk. He always sent a birthday card, a Christmas card. He he kept doing that until he signed with the Dolphins. Because then, when that happened, it became a conflict of interest. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's already uh, interesting uh, post game interactions. You being with the Patriots, him being with Miami when you played against them. Um, no, I mean it was just different. I mean, I talked to him. You know, cause even like when 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 my guy Marquise Hill drowned, uh, and we had we had the funeral in New Orleans. You know, the entire Patriots team came down, Mr. Kraft, everybody, and but then uh, Saban came with some of his guys from Alabama. So it was it, not not Alabama; he was in Miami then. Mm-hmm. So it was really cool just to see that you know, for Marquise Hill funeral. But Saban, man, always been a great guy, man. Always a great guy. I mean, I, I know when he was at LSU, I had to meet with Saban every week. For two years wow. during football, I had to report to him, you know, and I mean, it was just us coming together, getting to know each other, him understanding the DNA of the team, as well as try to get me to snitch. But I said, <laughs> yeah, I said, I will never be a snitch, Nick. Sorry. <laughs> uh, one of our fans also comments, um, did you ever p- play golf with uh, with Pepper Johnson when you when he was a patient? Yeah, yeah, once or twice. Those guys, they just, they just. I like golf, man, but it's not, it's not one of those things that I take seriously. And those, you know, guys go out to get their cigars. Before you know it, you're 18 holes in. You're on your fifth cigar. You barely can breathe. You, like you, like you're getting asthma. You had too many cocktails. It's a long day, man. But Pepper Johnson, this series, man. At some point, I'm on. I'm on a golf court, going back to the clubhouse. <laughs> we are talking to former uh, the Patriots defensive end Jarvis Green. Jarvis, you were supposed to come out for my birthday last year. I remember you were in a taxi, you were drinking, and you were like, "Ah, oh, you got to try this drink. You got to try that drink." You know. Uh, you and, then, okay. and then our pre- previous co-host Tyler Harrison tried to sway you to drink the strawberry henny. That's right. Oh, my goodness. Did you try the strawberry henny yet? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. well, my forty-first uh, birthday is coming up this year, man. I think you, oh, you man. Know, Ooh, happy yeah. birthday! Well, thank you. Uh, it's next month. I think you should come out and party up with us. We're going yeah. to Foxwoods this year. Oh shit. Fox was. <laughs> That's always the time there, man. Oh, I know. It's right over there uh, in your stopping ground over there. Right, right there in Connecticut, a.k.a. New England area, right over there. Perfect. So maybe you should come and visit. You, you know, Maybe I'll introduce you to the strawberry honey. I don't really drink, but on no. my birthday, I get drunk and I go a little crazy. And I'll, I'll be the crazy one dancing on the bar doing something crazy. So. I love <laughs> but but again, that would trying the strawberry heady would actually involve getting back in contact with Tyler. Right? Well, that's true too. <laughs> I wonder what he put in that strawberry heady, man. Uh, I don't know. He's been off the show for almost a year, so we're not yeah. really sure. 
Well, he's dating somebody now, so he's probably getting her drunk too. So he's, he's, he's introducing them to the strawberry Hetty. What was that, Jarvis? He's occupied, huh? <laughs> Is that what you call it? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're still the funny guy that I remember when you were driving in a taxi. And and by the way, the taxi driver that was right in front of you, he was listening to the conversation. But you were you you were definitely enjoying your drink. You, you had a Wait. couple of those. So I must have been in New Orleans, huh? Yeah, you are. It was last year, about I think right before the Super Bowl we had you on. He yeah. was in uh, New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a good night. That was a good night. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it was. You must be a party guy. I, I could see you partying. Yeah, I had to slow down sometimes, man. I've been working on some other stuff. Good for you. Yeah, I've been doing some government stuff, working with uh, USAID hmm. and SBA. So um, I've been on – look, man, I just woke up from a nap. And I, and I missed our earlier time to get on, but I was just like slammed mentally. Yeah. I cut my phone off because I didn't want any more any more phone calls, <laughs> you know. And it's and today is Wednesday. I cut my phone on, my phone blowing up. I'm like, I'm done, guys. I'm done. Then I said, I have, I have the interview, man. So give me some time. I can't even think straight, man. Actually, uh, he wasn't a teammate with you, but a guy that played with the Patriots as well that is actually involved in uh, state government. He was in an election. was Lee Bottom that we've had on the show a couple of times. Oh, really? Yeah, and he was running in Maryland. I forget the name of the town. He was running uh, for a state government position. What, I mean, what? Mayor? Rep? I don't Not remember. Sure. It, was, it was something obscure. I'll look it up to know for sure. But he, he had his he's had his campaign last year, and uh, he, he was on the show this year. He said it really took up a lot of his time. Yep. I think he's running again this year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it was Prince George's County. Uh, oh, that's, that's a rich county, man. They got money over there. <laughs> that's why Lee's doing it. No, I'm just kidding. We love Lee. He's been on the show a couple of times. He is fantastic. Yeah. He's a that's good person. County, yeah, very clean. Yeah, all it says is a jurisdiction uh, position is, is what it's listed as on this website. Uh, a Goober National primary elections. He was a local candidate in Prince George's County, Maryland, last oh. year. Good for him, huh? Mm-hmm. Well, before we let you go, man, because you look tired. You look like you need to get another nap. But uh, tell me this. Who did you have winning the Super Bowl this year, one? And who do you have going into this new season? I know it's, it's not over. Free agency's not over. Do you have any thoughts on who can make it and go to the Super Bowl? That's a tough one, man. I mean, I got to put Buffalo up there. I have to put Joe Burrow. I have to put Mahomes again, man. I mean, you watch that guy play. He could be messed up, knee banging, ankle hurt. He get the ball out. I mean, his, his ability, physical ability. Is by far one of the best, you know, in NFL right now. Um, who else? I don't know, man. I, I think I think the Saints may do something, you know. Mm-hmm. People might think I'm I'm, I'm 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 doing drugs when I just said the Saints. <laughs> but I think Carr, new team. I mean, New Orleans does something to people, so I think he's going to get acclimated. He's going to enjoy the gumbo, the hurricanes, the people. He's going to have that little New Orleans swag, and they might do something, man. But again, what about Sean Payton mm, Yeah, with the, with the quarterback? I mean, that's a, that's a dream come true for him, right? Mm-hmm. To get a high-profile quarterback to come in and say, I'm going to reset and create this monster. Maybe him. I don't know. Uh, one more question from, uh, from Jeff. Uh, have you ever been to Fantasies in Providence? I guess it's a place. Uh, he said he worked the door there. Have you ever been there? 
Fantasies? Fantasies. <laughs> I guess the answer is no to that. He just wanted to know. Don't lie. Oh, no, no. Oh, no. Okay. Yes, I have been the fantasies. Oh. Hey, more than 90 times. <laughs> okay. <laughs> fantasies go, is the place to be. It's like Alice in Wonderland. Don't go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> What's up, Jeff? What's happening, Jeff? My fancy homeboy. <laughs> there he goes. Look, he got. He gave you a shout out, Jeff. Uh, that's good. Yeah, that's a good spot, man. That, that place been there for years. The guys through a lot of tough times. The girls are nice. Nice hospitality, and it's Providence, baby. Heavy drinks. Heavy drinks. That's right. Well, Jarvis, we really appreciate you. We'll get you on again, as always. You are fantastic. Great personality. Keep up the good work. Uh, and uh, whatever you do moving forward when it comes to uh, you know, the government, I-, I believe you could do anything. You've got a great personality, and you know how to speak. So, Thank you very much. Thank you, fans out there. Go Patriots. Go NFL. No more flag football. Go Jets! <laughs> Jets, Jets, Rogers. Let's do it. That's right. Thank you, Mr. Mr. Green. Peace out. Thank you. Jarvis Green, expatriate, defensive end, fantastic personality as oh, always. Yeah. He's not drinking. So I uh, No, but he still was talking about drinking at yeah. fantasies. Good personality. There you there go, Jeff. Is. Ninety times at least he's been there. <laughs> He was fantastic. He really was. Oh, he yeah. really is. We got Carl over here. He's uh, he's come in. He says, "Is it my connection or Streamyard? I have no idea." Carl, uh, your uh, your Chicago Bears making some moves. We were just talking about it uh, a couple yeah. uh, an hour ago or so mm-hmm. before we had uh, our first guest, Dale Scott, on the show. Uh, we were talking about both of us thought that the Bears absolutely fleeced Carolina for that. Absolutely. So, like, DJ Moore, your new wide receiver, Carl, for D- Justin Fields. Dolphins trade third round pick for Jalen Ramsey. I-, I mean, this is a good move. Now, the question is, when when you look at the the picture of cornerback uh, trades, and Ramsey being one of them, he's going to make seventeen million dollars this season, and has a team option after 2024 to release him uh, with dead cap hit of $11.75 million. So Ramsey, who had a pretty good season last year, he didn't really stand out. He, he was still amongst the top five, top six corners in the league. I mean, after what Sauce did last year and Woolen did last year, some of the young uh, corners that were in the league, even uh, Darius Slate, uh, Slay had a very good season. Sertan, so yeah. Sertan had a very good season. So um, obviously Ramsey wasn't the all-pro player that he was every single year, but uh, he had a really, really good year. Four interceptions uh, and 18 pass deflected. Uh, deflected Also, uh, 659 total yards in coverage and a 62.6% of 91 targets of completed passes, third highest of his career. Ramsey joins a pro Bowl cornerback in Xavier Howard, who uh, I spoke highly of, uh, I think, two years ago. I th- the, great, the great debate. Of two yeah. years ago. Well, because I still, the irony of it. Now but Xavier Howard year. hasn't stayed healthy. That that's been the problem for Xavier Howard. Um, they obviously Jones was dropped this off season. A guy that they brought in from the Cowboys. Uh, he'll be looking for a new job. But um, and by the way, and talented young safety Javon Holland uh, in the Dolphins secondary, along with defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. So uh, they they're they're stacked in the secondary. They're they're going to be very good this year in their secondary if they stay healthy. That's the question. And 
And I think their defense is their strength. I, I don't know how good the offense is going to be. Now, they have two really good weapons. The question is, who's going to be running the ball this year? There has been talks of maybe uh, trading for a running back from Tennessee and uh, Derrick Henry. Uh, he's a guy that's been brought up in conversation. Do they have enough money to make a trade like that? That's they the have question. $14 million in cap space. So it would be barely on the brink if they're able to. Well, they have to sign other players. They have to give, you know, right. they have other positions that they have to fill. The Dolphins now have $15.4 million in cap space. Gilmore has one more year left on his contract carrying a cap hit of $9.9 million. So, um, you sit here and you talk about Jalen Ramsey and what Jalen Ramsey, and I was talking about Gilmore with the Cowboys, and we'll get into that in just one second. Um, Jalen Ramsey is a fantastic corner. There's no question. And he's most known for his, you know, what he does on the field, how he speaks. Uh, another Sauce Garner is another one of, uh, of those players that likes to speak on the field and do his speaking on the field. The question is, Jalen Ramsey wanted to go to Miami. He wanted to bring his talents there. Is he the final piece that could take them over the top? If Tua doesn't stay healthy this year, Speedy, I, I don't know what this team is. I don't care if they brought Mike White in. He, <laughs> there, there are some incentives. He, he, he got $10, mil, $10 million guaranteed for the next two years, uh, $6 million in incentives. If Tua gets hurt this year and they ride – on a guy like Mike White. Now, their offensive line played a lot better than anybody thought, yeah. uh, adding Armstead in the offseason last year. This team needs to play even better this year, especially in front of a guy like Mike White, who is a pocket-present quarterback. He's not Tua who can move inside and out of the pocket and do the things that he could do in the field. So, I, I mean, Speedy, if Tua doesn't stay healthy this year, this team goes nowhere. Well, yeah, that was the obvious thing that we know with Miami anyway, that they had to manage their quarterback situation better because the rest of their team now, with the other trades that they've made, bringing in Bradley Chubb, they got a, drafted a lot of good defensive players, especially in that front seven where you were talking about Holland, who's been a very good young safety for them. And even some of their late-round picks, they struggled with in the beginning of Chris Greer's tenure drafting, and even some of their defensive picks in the first round have really busted. But since then, they've looked pretty good. Even their stock, slot corner rookie Kalu played very well last year. Xavier Howard, like you said, really bouncing back after he was dealing with a lot of injuries and had a Pro Bowl year last year. So mm -hmm. they have a lot of talent on that front. And now the receivers, they finally got going in a more modern offense with Mike McDaniel, who I think had done a very good job in terms of his scheme and really creating a good team culture. Even in that playoff game when they had to play with Skylar Thompson, they almost beat the Bills. And that has a lot to do with McDaniel's coaching. Now, you're right. In terms of the running game, they brought back Raheem Moster, but is he going to be the same? He's 30 years old now. It's going to be hard to believe. Jeff Wilson played all right, but is he trustworthy. I don't know. And then like you're saying, Tua, Mike White, who's also injury prone too, in his own right. But he plays hurt. He plays hurt, but again, how, is that going to translate to playing well is another question because you want Tua on the field because that offense definitely looked a lot different in the first three months of the season when he was healthy before he had those concussions right towards the end of the year too and then obviously was out for the rest of the season. It's not going to be as easy to sneak into the playoffs this year. With the AFC as strong as it is, uh, the Jets are going to be a lot better. There are other teams that are going to be a lot better. We were just talking about Denver, um, adding adding a coach of that magnitude. And maybe a, a second year with Russell Wilson with a new offense, it might open up the doors for Denver to sneak into the playoffs. And and, and obviously the Chargers are good. Kansas City is good. If Baltimore keeps uh, uh, you know their quarterback uh, and, and Lamar Jackson, we know the Bengals are going to be good. Pittsburgh looked like they were getting better in the second half. They have a young quarterback that is growing. I mean, the AFC is so 
wide open, but not as wide open as the NFC. There's just too much talent when it comes to quarterback in, in the quarterback position. And that's why they brought in Jalen Ramsey. Right. The, the thing is, Jalen Ramsey could opt out of the contract after this year. If it doesn't work out uh, with, if, with Miami, which he wanted to be there, he's a very good friend of Tyreek Hill. Uh, if it doesn't work over there, where where will it work? And Jalen Ramsey he did win a Super Bowl with the Rams. Uh, they they gave up a lot for Jalen Ramsey, and they they tried to re up, trying to get back something amount uh, on the amount of what they gave up for Jalen Ramsey. What was it two years ago? Yep. They got nothing. They, they got a they got a third round pick and a tight end yeah. who nobody even knows. Got a third string tight end for yeah. Nobody even knows who he is. So. I, I understand that, uh, you know, Sean McVay is trying to rebuild this offense and try to figure out uh, if this offense can compete in the NFC, which it probably can because the NFC is just not, has no depth at the quarterback position. Right. So they could compete, especially in that division, but you still have to compete with San Francisco, even though they don't know who their quarterback is going to be. Is it Trey Lance? Is it Purdy? When's Purdy coming back this year? Is he going to be back this year? Is he going to be back at the end of the season? Is Trey Lance going to take uh, steps forward at the position? We didn't see much with the, uh, uh, Trey Lance when he was on the field before he hurt his ankle or his foot. Right. So I I don't know. And and Geno Smith, uh, they they've been speaking about uh, bringing Odell Beckham over there. I've heard in Seattle if DK Metcalf and the and the the the, the beasts uh, the beast over there as far as the wide receiver position, I, there is so many open opportunities and there's so many good free agents that are still available. Where's Brown go? You know. So uh, a lot of teams need an offensive lineman. So. Jalen Ramsey's a great player. Everybody says, oh, man, this, this secondary is going to be absolutely unstoppable. Okay, they're going to be unstoppable. But if they, have a quarterback, if they don't have a quarterback that can stay on the field, how are they going to score points? And is this running game going to produce like they did in the second half of the season last year? I don't know. Uh, Carl says in reference to what we were saying about DJ Moore, he thinks he's a solid number two. I think he'll be a number one. I think he's, he's a number one. I think he's a he's a mid low end number one. Uh, he also says about Aaron Rodgers. I think Rodgers wants new new scenery. Of but course, isn't the move to the Jets a lateral one? The Jets are third best in their division at best. Packers are in a wide open division. If you get two wide receivers, if the Jets get Aaron Rodgers, they're not third best. I mean, it's ridiculous. They had at their positions and at the strength of their positions. They're going to be a lot better, and their their offensive line is going to be a lot stronger than it was uh, after losing Elijah Vera Tucker. They're going to have pieces back. Uh, they have they still have some draft picks. They have they have players in their second year that are going to d- develop. J- Jermaine Johnson could develop as the pass rusher that they thought he was going to be. To say that they're their third best. Uh, is Buffalo that much better than they were last year? They lost two players. They lost Edmonds and they lost. Um, um, well, they brought Poyer back. Poyer back. So. No, they lost another player. I forget. Uh, there was another player that they lost, but they lost Edmonds. He he goes. I figure where Edmonds goes. He uh, went to Chicago. <laughs> he went to Chicago. So they're Buffalo is not going to be as good as they were last year. They lost pieces, and they lost their defensive coordinator. Yes, that's what that's what I think will be the bigger loss. Uh, Carl also says, I wanted the Bears to take Jalen Carter at 9, but now he can't even finish work, uh, workout drills. Yikes. Well, we'll see how he is when his head is actually cleared up with everything that's gone on with him as well. But, again, if Jalen Carter still falls to 9... And I Miami, what, make, what makes anybody think that everybody says, oh, Miami? We know where the Patriots are. Even Jeff said it. My, the Patriots are going to be bad this year. They're not making any moves. They haven't made any big moves. Uh, they're going to draft. They're going to build around the draft. So they're probably the worst team in that division. Miami? Miami doesn't even know if Tua's going to start or if he's going to be able to play this year. And they bring in Mike White. What makes you... Aaron Rodgers is the best quarterback in that division. 
He's the best of it at quarterback. And by the way, the Jets had the probably the best defense in that division. But I, I mean, the Patriots played well last year, and Buffalo played. I think they were fifth ranked. The Jets were fourth ranked the, last year. Yeah. I mean, the Jets could be the best defense in that division. So. And, and and some of the acquisitions that they've made on the offensive side of the ball, they actually have a quarterback they actually could throw the ball. What makes you think that the Jets are the, the third best team in that division? So Carl says, Bills better figure out their D-line. Their young yeah. linemen haven't made the splash that they wanted. And by the way, they, Jeff has returned. They paid their linebacker, too. They, they paid their uh, Milano, yes. Yeah, Milano got his money, too. So uh, Absolutely, uh, to me, one of the best linebackers in all of football. All right, Jeff, what's up? All right, look, let's get this out of the way yep. because, I mean, you've already said it, and so I'm not showing any bias. The Patriots right now are last. Yeah. Even though you say they haven't made any big moves, but they have. What's Fine. a big move? They went and got Juju Smith-Schuster for a song. Oh, my God, Juju Smith-Schuster. Oh, don't scare me. <laughs> oh, is Juju I like Juju. Smith-Schuster, I like Juju Smith-Schuster better or worse than Jacoby Myers? He's better. He's better. I like then Juju. They upgra- then they upgraded. Is he better or worse than Alan Lazard? Better. Yeah, I would better. say. Yeah, I would say. Right. Yeah. And all three of them got the same exact price. Uh, Jacoby Myers and uh, Juju got three years, thirty-three million, and Lazard got four years, forty-four million. So it's all eleven million dollars a year. So they got the best eleven million dollar player in the division. All right, Jeff. So yeah, they upgraded. All right, Jeff. They got one player in the hundred million dollars that they had to spend. Right, but they have other things. But they have other things. They all have right. other receivers. All right, I'm not taking shots at the Patriots. Right. I right. said they're the fourth worst team me, in that division. But what, yeah, no, they probably are. But what makes you think they're going to be better than the Jets are going to be better than the Dolphins or the or because two is not one hundred percent healthy, and I would take Aaron Rodgers over two if he's there and if, if he's healthy. Uh, and Josh yeah. Allen, uh, they lost they lost significant pieces to that defense this year, and they going lose? they lost Edmonds and they lost uh, I I don't know have it in front of me. I know they lost two other players, but they lost players and they lost Edmonds, right, but, a, a pretty good player at the, right, at, they got at the back position. Coyer, they got back Jordan Coyer. Okay. Right. Okay. And the, uh, they and also the lost their defensive back. coordinator. Well, who cares about a coordinator? He's not on the field because you're talking about players. The Jets are getting back from injury. The Bills are getting back. Oh, I don't know, Von Miller. Mm-hmm. And, right? and do like, and do we know what Von Miller is going to be when he comes back from an ACL tear? Well, do we know? Do we know what any of the other players that are? All going right, to be but I'm just saying. Back? I'm just saying, Jeff. We don't I'm know. I'm just saying. I'm, Right. You don't know either. That's why when you say, oh, they're getting this guy back. Well, the Bills are getting Von Miller back. So if everything's even and they're all coming back at 100 percent, Von Miller's the best player coming back. Oh, A.J. Klein was the other linebacker mm-hmm. they lost. And they also right. lost Roger Saffold. Yeah, he was their third guy. <laughs> right. Edmonds hurts. Right. Edmonds hurts. The Klein does not matter. He's not even going to play. So it doesn't matter. And if you kind of go piece by piece. I, look, I can put Garrett Wilson right there with Stephon Diggs. You can have the argument who's better or whatever. There's no argument. Gabe Davis is a better number two than Denzel Mims. Uh, the, uh, who, Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore. Yeah, right. Gabe Davis is still the best one. They're going to have better pieces. That that kid McKenzie is. Isaiah McKenzie is probably better than Elijah Moore. We the don't know what Elijah pieces. Moore is. They had nobody throwing him the ball last year. <laughs> <laughs> what, well, what do we know what Elijah Moore is? We he barely saw the ball last year. He actually how many looks did he have last year altogether? 30, 35? He didn't see the ball. 
So if Elijah Moore comes back and he actually has a quarterback that can throw him the ball, you think Elijah Moore is going to have 400 yards this year? I'd say he'd go go up about a thousand or or twelve hundred yards. Go up a thousand because you, you can, not everyone's going to go up a thousand. I, I said, that, well, if if they have a quarterback that can spread out the offense, who can make every single throw, and you have, let's say, you have Garrett Wilson who has thirteen hundred yards. You can Elijah Moore is going to have nine hundred fifty to a thousand yards. Then you have Lazar, who's going to have eight hundred, nine hundred yards if right. he's the third. No doubt. Look, so no, they're going no, to have no doubt. But you're but you're saying people are going to go up a thousand yards. You think you think Garrett Wilson is going to go from thirteen hundred yards to twenty three hundred yards? No, no, no. no, no, I, no about Elijah Moore. I'm saying Elijah Moore will go up from four hundred <clears throat> to a thousand or eleven 1, hundred yards. It could happen. And and they have tight ends. They have good tight ends in Conklin. So look, they, I think I think it's close. But until Oh yeah, they gotta prove uh, it. Buffalo they gotta get, prove it. Buff, right. They gotta prove Buffalo it. Gets knocked off. Buffalo's the team, man. They, yes, and they I gotta prove Miami it. Is, and I think Miami is still right there too. Like they are. Uh, the the injury thing is is a problem, but people forget when Tua was there or they had a competent quarterback playing, they were undefeated. And when they had to go with Skylar Thompson, is when they lost like nine games. Right? I think so, I think going after Mike White the way they did and giving him the money that they gave him. I, I think they, they don't trust that Tua is going to stay healthy, and they're they're going to probably uh, believe that Mike White is going to be on the field one way or another this year. I, I just I don't trust Tua, Tua when it comes to uh, being hit and the concussion problems that he has. So I, if I, Tua doesn't I, play, I, it's it's going to be a big loss. And, and Tua – go ahead. I, I can completely agree with that assessment. However, who better to carve up a Jets defense – than the Jets defense he had to practice against. Like, he's going to know what the Jets defense is doing. I think that intimate knowledge, Mike White can take advantage of that. I wouldn't, I think it's still even closer to the Jets and the Dolphins. I, I just, I think the Jets are, right now, if you want to say the Jets are the second best team in the AFC East, that's fine. But until they prove themselves against Josh Allen, third but, best. Uh, yeah, third they, best. just remember, they beat Josh Allen last year. <laughs> They beat Josh, Josh Allen, right? And and, well, and look, they look, did if, if that's what, without if, a really good quarterback, if, as you claim, if, Zach Wilson sucks. If, so if, if that if that's what we're doing, okay, if, I'm just if saying if that no 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 I, I know that's your go-to. I'm just saying, and I'm just saying if that's what we're going to, the metric is who won last year. Well, the Patriots are still ahead of the Jets. That's fine. That's fine, and you want to say like, that, but I, I, there's no argument I mean, with here. But who do I think is going to uh, who if if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets and the Jets do what I believe they're going to do? Do I think the Jets are going to come out as the division champion? Yeah, I think the Jets could win the division. Yeah, if Aaron Rodgers I, stays I, healthy, I, yeah, I do. Right, I, I think I, they're no, the best. I think team. that they I think that they could win the division, but like they haven't done anything in so long. And who look, Aaron Rodgers is great. Hmm? Tom Brady was great. Was mm-hmm. was it all peaches and cream no. in, in, in Tampa? No. no. So we also don't know if it's going to work in New York. I understand. I it can work, mm-hmm. right? Like, I'm not disparaging any of that. It's a great move. Congratulations. Your team upgraded. I mean, the bar wasn't hard to uh, get over to upgrade. But, like, no one says it's going to work with him. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady had better receivers than the Jets do. And Godwin and Evans and he and, and Antonio Brown, mm-hmm. right? Well, I guess we can go there. And it didn't always work, mm-hmm. right? So there could be problems. There could be struggles J- to just summarily say, "Oh, we got Rodgers. We're the best team." I think is a fool's errand. I listen. I'm saying in my, my overview right now, if if Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets, 
I think they win the division. That's my opinion. And Snug, you keep saying that uh, Josh Allen is better than Aaron Rodgers. Okay, you, you last year might have been, and he also had a broken thumb, and he was throwing the ball, and he had nobody really to throw to. Josh Allen had two of the best wide re- well, he had one of the best wide receivers and a and a pretty good secondary in Gabe Davis. Now Aaron Rodgers is going to a team that has a lot of weapons around him. You think that Josh Allen's better than Aaron Rodgers? Go go drink more. Go go eat more cupcakes. Think, You're out of your mind. Look, 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 Aaron Rodgers by far is a more accomplished quarterback for sure. But I think at this stage of their career. Josh Allen can throw it just as hard or just as far away. That's fine. But I also, we'll see. But I also think. But I also think Josh Allen can do more. Aaron Rodgers can't run. Josh Allen can run. I don't know. Josh, Aaron Rodgers ran the ball pretty well when he was escaping out of the pocket. And that offensive line was horrible this year. That Green Bay Packers offensive line was putrid. They weren't good. They yeah, were no, they putrid. So, right. And we don't yeah. know what the Jets' offensive line is going to be because it's not done. Maybe they draft if they still have their first-round draft pick this year. Hey, Orlando Brown's out there, baby. I don't think they're going to have enough money to get Orlando Brown. But, uh, you know, they have Dwayne Brown coming back, hopefully 100% healthy. Uh, you know, we don't know what Beckham's going to be. We don't, we don't know. So, uh, but they have Elijah Veritaka coming back, and he's a fantastic player. So they 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 need a they also need a center. So we'll see what the Jets do and and how they're going to fill in that offensive line to help Aaron Rodgers out and protect him. So yeah, do you, do you know how mad you would get right now if mm-hmm. I just said to you what you say to me when I go, "Oh, Von Miller's coming back," and you went, "Oh, Elijah Veritaka." Well, we don't know what he's going to be. We don't. I just said we don't know what he's going to be. Right, but it's like. That's that's your thing to shoot down anyone else coming. You're, you're just trying to prop up the Jets, and I'm just trying to like. No, I'm not prompting. I am not prompting up the Jets. First of all, I just think Von Miller, being that he is he's he's what 33 years old, uh, coming from an ACL tear where everything comes off that leg that he tore, uh, everything, all his power, all his speed. That for a 33 year old, maybe if he was 25, 26 years, 26 years old, that would I mean, be different. ACL. Right, but an ACL injury isn't what it used to be either. Mm, we'll see. I, I just don't think he's going to be the same Modern medicine player. helps out a lot, right? Like, yeah, it's still we'll going to be a concern, but it's it's not like – it's not what it used to be. I think he'll be fine. I think Elijah Tucker uh, – Vera Tucker will be fine, mm. right? Like, so, you know, uh, the only concern I have for the Jets on that offensive line, forgive me for saying this, mm. is that fat pig McCoy Jackson. <laughs> Well, he lost, uh, what was it, 75 pounds, 80 pounds? Uh, we'll see. When you're 450 yeah. pounds, what's 70? Yeah, I, I understand. So well, now he's down to 380? Well, that's what they want him to come down to about 360. If he's down to 360, which is, I think he's at 370. Think if he loses 10 more pounds, I understand that. And, it, and again, that, that affected his knees. We'll see if he gets down to that 360 uh, number that the Jets want him to be at. If he is, uh, we'll see what he does. I mean, at one his first year, he was a top five, top six uh, offensive tackle in the league. Then he, he, he tore his knee his second year, didn't play. And then he tore his knee the third year and didn't play. So this is his fourth year. He has his chance now. We'll see what he does. We'll see what so he we're, does. So we're, 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 I don't know, three days or whatever it is yeah. in the free agency. Yeah. Who do you think has improved the most right now? Wow, um, I think Chicago um, is definitely. I would agree. I, I would agree. Chicago would be my 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 choice. I would say Chicago, and a lot um, of their improvement won't show right away because yeah. part of their improvement is that trade back with uh, Carolina, mm-hmm. and those draft picks will come later. But getting that many good picks will really help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and DJ Moore, don't count on DJ Moore. Oh yeah, Field's gonna feast, baby. <laughs> Uh, and they also just signed a running back. Did they get? Did they just get Jamal Williams? 
The Saints got Jamal Williams. Yeah, the Saints did. Then who was it that the Chicago just got? Because I know that they Montgomery. Lost, um, Montgomery. No, no. Montgomery went to Detroit. Oh, that's right. right that's and, right. But right. they just signed a running back. Or something. That's right. Um, no, there's no running back listed for them. They signed T.J. Edwards at linebacker along with Tremaine Edmonds, uh, Nate Davis, oh, offensive yeah. lineman, and then uh, Demarcus Walker is a. Defensive I think defensive Denver lineman. did pretty well too in free agency too. Adding uh, well, McGlinchey. I, I mean, Mike McGlinchey to that offensive line. That's a. It's a pretty good acquisition. I mean, Mike McGlinch is a terrific player. Yeah. Bonus points. Ready to go to college? Notre Dame. Notre Dame. There you go. Speedy's got it. One nothing, Speedy. <laughs> I like Atlanta too. Jesse yes, Bates. Jesse Bates went over there. Yes. Uh, they, David Onyemata, good interior defensive lineman, and uh, they re-signed Caleb McGarry, who's a good and if young they, right tackle. If they make a move for Lamar Jackson, that mm-hmm. could be a, an absolute splash this offseason. No one's making a move for Lamar Jackson. I'm just saying. Up in Baltimore. Um, before we go, I do, I do want to mention the Cowboys traded a fifth round pick for Stefan Gilmore. Uh, Gilmore has one more year left on his contract, carrying a cap hit of 9.9 million. Gilmore had two interceptions and 11 pass deflected, uh, allowing 577 yards in coverage and allow, allowed 56.2% of his 89 targets to uh, be completed passes. Gilmore is a five-time Pro Bowler, two-time All-Pro, and was a Defensive Player of the Year in 2019 with the Patriots. With the Patriots. Uh, Gilmore joins uh, uh, Trayvon Diggs, who has been a Pro Bowler uh, each of the last two seasons on a def- defense led by Dan Quinn after he did not take a head coaching job this offseason. So there you go. Uh, I, which, by the way, the Beaver is very excited about that. Yeah, as he should be. Yeah, he, he, yeah that just shows you how bad Stephon Gilmore is going to play this year. <laughs> I, d- does anything he like ever work out? <laughs> well, he's been kind of fluky since he's been traded. Like, he's good one year, uh, and Carolina, he was bad. And then he started off really bad this year with Indianapolis, but then played really well in the second half. So, yeah, which end are you going to get is yeah, another care. question. But I, I think for a fifth-round pick, third- it's a good risk. I don't care. He's 33, did you say? 34, 33? 32, whatever. right? 32. 32. He'll be 33 in the beginning of the season. Yeah. Right. Right. He's old. He's old. He's going to be chasing around 22. Yeah, but he's better than his secondary they had last year. Their number I mean, two corner spot got torched horrible again, last year. Again, well, again, what's the bar here? You know what I'm saying? Oh, Aaron Rodgers is an upgrade. No shit. Like, no shit. But no one's Stephon expecting him to be the all-pro he was with the Patriots. He just wants a competent... Low end, one high. End, I mean, corner. I mean, Aaron Rodgers yeah, is not, a bigger, bigger upgrade but, than Stephon but, Gilmore is as a corner for the Cowboys. Well, I'm just comparing. The yeah, I got what you're saying. I got what you're saying. Wilson. I got. I got. You it. know what I'm saying, right? Yes. And it's like, of course, it's an upgrade. But did you see him play for Indianapolis last year? It was pathetic. He was bad in the first half. He was really good in the second half of the season, though. And then their defense actually was, uh, I believe they were 10th in the league collectively against the pass. And that was with a lot of other guys hurt, too. So you're right. Really bad at the start. He looked like he was done. And then he turned it around. He did. Right. But but now he's another year older. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not a good sign, dude. But again, for you a know? fifth round And pick, I really I wish the right. best thing for the Cowboys. Like I think for a sure fifth round do. pick, it's worth the risk. It's not like they trade a second or something like that. So, I think for a fifth round pick, the Cowboys could take a flyer on that, especially since they can't yes. really afford much else. Mm-hmm. Right, but for a fifth round pick, I can draft a twenty-two year. Well, oh, the Cowboys had thirty million dollars on the the um, taken off the cap. I mean, now that they drop Zeke, they could go after oh, Hopkins. Yeah. There is stories that they they're the lead team to get Hopkins. Then they add Hopkins, and they added. A guy like Gilmore, I mean, those are two really good upgrades. Now, I don't know what Hopkins is going to be on the Cowboys, but he's still a better 
better than all the other guys that they had last year. Do, do any of you remember when, when Barry Sanders walked away from the game? <laughs> Here we go. No, 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 no. no I was no, too no, young just, to remember. Yes, I remember. No, I just, I yes, I remember. Point yes, I remember. Right. Mm-hmm. When Barry Sanders left, people were like, Yes. No, like this can't happen, right? Like build that man a statue. Like yep. they wanted the statue like right away. They yep. were like, the greatest player ever just left. Like, they, dude, it was like Sports Center interrupted, like whatever they were showing me. <laughs> like, it was almost like he died because they were like, Football no longer has Barry Sanders. That's what they did with Aaron Rodgers, where he was going. Right, right, yeah, right. Did any of that happen for Zeke when he left the Cowboys? No. I, I don't know. Don't, don't, don't leave it to Jerry Jones. He might have an idea of what to do with him. They'll have a right, better ceremony. Should, right, but this should just tell you by fans' reactions. Even like, look, even if you were a Chicago Bears fan and you saw Barry Sanders retire, you were like. Wow, like that's sad. Like he was great. Like you know, he used to get to us, but you know, great player. Like there was mutual. Is anyone saying anything about that? Like, is anyone sad? Zeke isn't going to be a cow. No, it's because he's not nearly as good as Barry Sanders. Does this end that argument? J- 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 Jerry Jones will have their own, his own ceremony to honor Ezekiel Elliott and Jason Garrett. Don't worry, he loves him too much. <laughs> And by the way, is it any coincidence that even two years ago, I was like, Tony Pollard's better than Zeke. And like, You're crazy. Oh, who took Zeke's job? Oh, Pollard. Yeah. He got the franchise. And they'll probably give him an extension now that Zeke's off, you know, off the uh, the cap. Well, it's still dead cap. They're still dead cap. But, oh, there's tons of it. Yeah, yeah but uh, getting Zeke out of there definitely tells you that Pollard's the number one guy and they believe But is anyone sad that he's leaving? Is anyone like, oh, this is a No, but I, I could tell you a team that – is looking for a powered back uh, up in Buffalo. I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where Zeke goes. And you know what? He'll be great in Buffalo. Probably He'll will. really be so great in Buffalo. I'll bet you he, he gets to Buffalo 1,600-yard rushing season. Really? But will they win three straight Super Bowls? <laughs> they, they might. Ezekiel Elliott might be. The key to breaking the Buffalo Bills, oh, like Jim Kelly curse, like oh, I'm telling you, once you get that stink off of you, that 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 just putrid smell, that 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 star emits <laughs> onto your body, right? Everyone seems to get better once they do that. This is the best thing that's happened to football in a long time. What Zeke leaving the Cowboys? One hundred percent. What I'm telling you. 1,500-yard rushing season coming right up. He ends up in Buffalo. Forget about it. Look out, cook out. Here comes 1,500 yards. No problem. <laughs> Carl says Zeke to the Bears. Ha ha. Stuck says Zeke to the Bears. and goes three Super Bowls in a row. Yeah, I don't know where Zeke, Zeke goes. Zeke to the Bears would be another great spot for him. He ends up there. 1,500 yards right off rip. I could see Zeke going to the Bears. Why not? I mean, they need running backs. They just lost uh, a few. So uh, I, why not? Why couldn't Zeke go there? I mean, Zeke could go everywhere. I mean, Zeke could go to Carolina. Why not? Carolina needs a running back. I think he wants to win, and, like, the Bears, the Bills, they have better chances to win than Carolina does. Bears not this year. Maybe three years from now. No, I mean. Dude, you you say that, but they just added Tremaine Edmonds on defense. They've still got a whole draft. Now that DJ Moore is on the outside, they have a weapon there. If they draft another receiver and then just put him in the backfield, they could be cooking with something. No, I'm not saying they can't be, make the playoffs. I don't think they could be contending for a Super Bowl this year, though. I mean, why not? That The whole NFC kind of stinks. And let's face it, the Lions aren't going to be that hard to beat. They'll get better, but then it's not crazy. Right? The, the Packers, do we think the Packers are going to be anything? They're, they're like, 
the new Panthers, I guess. Nothing's going to be there. Well, I, They have more receivers. Who's, who's a receiver besides Christian Watson in Green Bay? They've all left now. We will get into— Tom's gone. Lazard's gone. We'll get we'll get into free agency uh, tomorrow. That'll be one of the first things that we get into. We'll go through all the free agents. There could be more moves happening today. I, I, Hargrave going to San Francisco. That's a a pretty good move for San Francisco. How did San Francisco have the money to pay? Because they lost McGlinchey. So, yeah. so that was the repercussion. So their offensive line is going to be much weaker, but their defense is going to be even better. It's and this crazy. is it's actually interesting. That I discussed this with my brother when I was there. Javon Kinlaw, like is, they just drafted him in the first round in 2020. Now he's going to be on an expiring contract next year if they don't give him his fifth year option. Do they consider trading him and maybe get an offensive mm. lineman or a draft pick to get an offensive lineman? Yeah. Is another question because it's interesting. They but, still have Eric Armstead there too, so it's like kind of a luxury for them to get Hargrave. It wasn't really but, a necessity. Do, but look, Speedy, I hear what you're saying, right? Okay, losing McGlinchey is a big deal, but do we know that their offensive line is going to get worse because? There's still time in free agency, right? So there's that period. There's still the draft that they could address it. Well, they're not going to. They're that. not going to have a first round draft pick. That's why sure. we were thinking, like right. maybe trade Kimball right. for a third round pick or something. You might right, be able to still, get an offensive lineman there. They can still draft quality in the yes. second and third yes. rounds. They can still get. Do they have a second round pick? No, they don't have a second round. McCaffrey, they're not picking until the fifth round this year. But there's but there's a whole other period to this that people seem to forget about, right? Which is like, okay, the free agency happens and we all go nuts. And then the draft happens and everyone goes, oh, that's it. Your team is what your team is. There's still going to be so many salary cap casualties that happen in the middle of the summer where people won't restructure their contracts or do other things like that. Or, you know, remember what happened with Gerald McCoy and he just got dropped out of nowhere. That's going to happen to like four or five more dudes this year. Yeah. So they can still have plenty of time to address things. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, but uh, before we go, uh, NBA suspends John Moran for eight games, but no clear evidence that he uh, that that was his gun or that gun was found on him and it belonged to him. So, um, well, he did an interview with Jalen Rose where he said it wasn't his gun. It wasn't his gun. So I, I don't. Uh, first of all, I don't know why he's taking I pictures. I don't know why he's taking pictures with guns, especially uh, the story coming out that he was beaten. He beat up a kid a couple of years ago and then pulled a gun out on him. I don't know why after a week after that story came out that he's pulling – he's usually taking pictures of guns in a strip bar. It doesn't make any sense. But I will say this. Eight games is not long enough. Okay, I know the NBA, this is one of their biggest young stars. I understand. But if you don't punish this guy now, what – What's going to what's going to happen the next time he pulls out a gun? Is it does he have to kill somebody or shoot somebody for you to suspend him or uh, kick him out of the league? I, I don't know. Uh, when you're carrying around a gun and you've been caught with a gun not once but twice, and that uh, you know the authorities are you know looking into all these stories that are coming out, not only from where you're living in Memphis, but from other situations that you've been in in your you know in in college and and high school. This is starting to worry you. And he doesn't come from a bad family. He doesn't come from a family with no money either. He comes from a, a pretty good family. So when everybody says he comes from the, you know, he comes from the hood, I, I mean, if you look at where he comes from, he doesn't come from the hood. So um, I don't know what this kid is doing. I think the No, NBA, he's 8 Mile. You know he's 8 Mile, yeah, right? Yeah. Do you I'm know sorry. what I'm talking about? No, I don't. No. You remember the final rap battle in M yes, uh, yes. Eight Mile when, yes. when Eminem's making fun of the dude because he thinks he's a gangster, but he went to a private 100%, school. Yes, and yes. Yeah, all of that's all of that is John Morant. He went to a private high school. He went. Uh, his his parents are both together. They're both like doctors and lawyers yep. or like whatever. They're like he's Eight Mile. 
He's he's like the fake gangster in Eminem's movie. I agree with you. I think I think the league uh, needs to look more into this, and I think they need to suspend them more. They're not. They didn't do anything to Kyrie Irving. They're not going to do anything. This is worse than what Kyrie Irving did. Right. You're carrying around a deadly weapon, and, and you could pull it out and kill somebody. And it could. all it has to take is an accident. Ask Plaxico Borres. He went to jail for two years. Ruined his Who whole career. Yeah, whatever. I mean, he he shot himself in his own in a, in, a, in his leg, uh, whatever in, in a club in, in a nightclub in the city, and they wanted to they wanted to punish him. They wanted to show everybody just because you're a professional athlete doesn't mean you're going to get away with it. And they punished him. He went to jail for two years, and right, he ruined. But there's him. a difference, right? But there's a difference though. Right. Like you're just you're comparing apples and oranges. How am I doing that? Because there's actually a gun law in Manhattan, and having the gun just alone is is a criminal offense. It's not the case in Atlanta. In, in in a strip bar, they are not permitted to carry a gun in a strip bar. Okay, there you is... don't you don't know that you don't know that. Well, obviously, if first they're taking they pictures, to, first of all, they have to find no. But even just the possession of the weapon yeah. in New York is a yeah. crime. Fine, that's not the case other places. Fine, Jeff. But but my point here is is that an eight game suspension is not enough, and the league needs to look at this even deeper and in the offseason they have to figure out a rule or certain things that you know you could be suspended for a significant amount of time like steroids like MLB if you if you do the steroids if, if, if you have three three strikes after three strikes you're out you never play baseball again I think the NBA needs to look at these these gun laws and these gun rules and yet you should set up a boundary of strikes and if you if you fell uh, fail with this and, and, and obeying by the rules of the league, you could be suspended for good and never play basketball, professional basketball again. Maybe force them to roll some kind something. Of I don't know to, what. Yeah. I, I don't know, but this is not enough. And I, I think that the NBA should be ashamed of themselves. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just, my, my. I was just sorry, gonna say, ahead, I was going to say also maybe maybe getting some kind of program that could help him learn. He's that doing kind of that stuff. right so now. He's doing that on his and own. And they pulled him out. And, and then they decided to give him eight games. <laughs> and then they pulled him out. Like, come on, NBA. Like, you're, you're, gee, this guy's trying to get help for his own life, too. Like, come on. Like, and then he only gave him eight games. I'm with you on that. Like, they should have some kind of mandatory thing to be able to teach him, especially even if it's during the offseason. Just try to teach him this kind of thing so this doesn't happen again. Because you don't want to lose a promising young superstar player. You know like this, this is going to happen again. Yeah. You know, remember this there were two other incidents yeah. too. You know this is going to happen again, and the NBA not doing what they were supposed to do as an organization, as a multi-billion-dollar organization. I understand he's a young superstar; he's one of the biggest superstars in the NBA right now. That doesn't sell that to young kids that follow him and buy his jersey. This is right. despicable. It is. I mean, my my major issue with John Morant in this whole situation is honestly, he went to Shotgun Willie's. Like, it's a dirty bar. He should have gone to the Diamond Cabaret and, like, more closer to Denver. Like, the Diamond Cabaret is much prettier girl, much better club. Shotgun Willie's is kind of gross. I don't know what Shotgun Willie's is. I don't know anything That's about it. That's the club he was in. I understand. I, I just, I honestly, I could care less. What bothers me way, about it. Yeah. By the way, can I, can I just mention something real quick? Go ahead, hit it. Did you see the look on Jarvis Green's face? He yes. Knew. Yes. <laughs> and Jarvis Green actually gave you a shout out. Oh, he knows. Mm-hmm. Oh, he knows. He gave you yeah, a shout out. Yeah. All right, Jeff. Yeah, I, was, I, I, I was the key to the Patriots winning their first Super Bowl. There you go. There you go. There you go. Yeah. We had a good time. Jeff, we'll talk to you tomorrow, bud. All right, let's go, Bills.
<laughs> a Patriots fan saying, let's go Bills. That's interesting. Of course he is. Anyways, He's a Patriots uh, fan, but okay. <laughs> thank you to Jarvis Green for joining us. Uh, ex-Patriot, uh, ex-defensive end in the NFL. Of, uh, was that an eight-year career in the NFL? So uh, Jarvis is a good friend of the show. Uh, thank you to Dale Scott, 33-year vet, ex-MLB umpire. Fantastic. Check out his book. Uh, he has his audio book out, so uh, if you want to check out his book, he actually does the reading for for you guys. So mm. that's great. Um, yeah, we'll be back tomorrow. We will get into the NFL free agency recap. It was a lot about Aaron Rodgers and the Giants, but tomorrow it'll be about the whole league. So we'll get into it and, and our thoughts, and we'll go up and down some of the acquisitions that some of these teams made. Uh, as we mentioned, a few of them, uh, the Cowboys making some, uh, Miami making some, and uh, Chicago made a fantastic amount of moves, so we'll get into that tomorrow. Uh, yeah, um, again, Aaron Rodgers could be heading to the Jets. It seems like that's inevitable. Uh, we will get into everything tomorrow at 9 p.m. here on the Sports Loudmouths. Good night, everybody. It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.